Good evening and welcome to El Los of Fumar Takes. This is our 209th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Felicity, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. Happy Mother's Day, everybody, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Hope you were able to join us, but if not, we totally understand. But we're going to have a fantastic night. It's been a long time since we've had this, uh, this gentleman on our show, and I'm so excited to welcome him back. It's going to be an awesome evening, so I'm glad you guys have tuned in. So strap yourselves in. This is going to be a fantastic ride, but here we go. But before we get to introductions, we have to thank the people that make this show possible, and that, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. May 12th, mark it down, just four short days away. The Freestyle Live Special Edition broadcast on Drew Estate's Facebook page will introduce the newest premium cigar that the company has given to consumers. It's something really exciting. They've uh, they had announced and released the freestyle live packs out to retailers all over the country weeks ago. There may be soon, still some, a few in the wild, probably not. But if you got your hands on some, you got to taste the new premium cigar. We got four four got formally announced. Really exciting stuff. Don't forget, you got to tune in on May twelfth. That's four short days away, just because they're going to be giving away some amazing prizes, including a two thousand. And 22 Jeep Wrangler Sport. Yeah, that's valued at $33,000. They already gave away a Bitcoin. I don't know what that's worth, but I know what $33,000 is. And I know what a Jeep Wrangler is. And that's awesome. So do you guys got to tune in? It's going to be a fantastic event as always. They always bring out the A game, always bring out the party. And guess what? We get to find out what the newest, greatest release from Drew Estate is. So tune in on May 12th. You don't want to miss it. And welcome, everyone. This is our 209th take. So excited to welcome our guest of honor this evening, sponsored by United Cigar, Smoke One Today, Start Living United, Mr. Tony Bellotto of La Barba and Bellotto Premium Cigars. Tony, welcome back, my friend. How are you doing tonight? Good. Thanks for having me back, man. It's good to see you. Oh, it's good to see you, sir. It's good to see you. I'm so I'm so excited to have you back. Um, and it's it's been it's been a while, uh, as we talked about a little bit before the show got started and everything. But uh, a lot's been going on. And some good, a lot of good things, a lot of confusing times, but uh, it's always good to have you back here in the studio and then talk cigars um, and we'll talk all things fine, fine and beautiful in this life, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. So we're going to kick things off here tonight, Tony, and I thought I would, uh, I, I know that the choice might seem obvious to you, but I would, I would wanted to bestow the honor upon you. I've, this is a little tradition I picked up uh, in the last, uh, last year or so. Um, I have three cigars here. And I'm willing to smoke any three of them. Um, and I would like, but I would like you to pick my cigar for me this evening to get started with. So um, they're very familiar cigars to you, and two are very, very personal to you. One is the original um, La Barba Ricochet in the Robusto size. Um, the other is uh, one made by your good friend, uh, the Long Live the King Mad Mofo in the Super Toro. And then, of course, the 2020 number one cigar of the year from Elos from our takes, the Grand Robusto Ricochet Crew Mexi Soul. So what am I smoking tonight, my friend? Well, I can tell you which one of those you can throw away, and that would be okay. a mad mofo. Okay, just, well, there, you just toss we'll that just, out. Go, we'll just yeah. go, go ahead and get rid of that. Yeah. <laughs> let's, start with your, let's start with the, the, the Mexi Soul, since yeah. uh, I was so lucky to – I'm the only – you're the only person that's ever given me a cigar of the year. So uh, like I told you, when you gave it to me, I'm humbled and very appreciative of that. So let's start there. Let's start off on a high note. 
Sounds great. Sounds great. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to smoke this with you, Tony. It just, this cigar, um, I mean, I smoked the Coronita first. The ver- that was the first Vitola I smoked to this. But when I, when I lit up this Grand Robusto size, I mean, I immediately loved the Coronita. But I mean, when I, sm- when I first smoked this, it was fantastic. Um, just absolutely sensational. It was, and, and I think it's something that Henderson does really well. This Vitola does really well in his factory, like overall, like, um, but, but when this blend in particular, just absolutely saying, I just, I, I love it's it. It's a, it's very unique. It's a very unique cigar for me. Um, especially with the, like, it's almost, it's got a lot of that. And we've, you and I have talked about it before that, like old world style, but not funky, you know, it's, it's got no, like, doesn't have any must or anything to it, but it's got that old world kind of funk that I like. Um, it reminds me of some old world Bordeaux wines, um, like a little bit of minerality, but still like it's still got the sweetness and the, and the strength in the body that to kind of hold up. Um, so yeah, I love that. And then that Coronita is a little, that's like, the, I think that might be the strongest strength wise cigar that we make um, versus anything. Uh, that little that little Coronita is a very very strong cigar, but it's very good. It's very balanced. Yeah, it 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 really captured me, and then I wanted to try it in a bigger Vitola, and um and this was the next one I gravitated towards, and it just it just hit me. I was like, this is fantastic. I absolutely loved it, and I just kept smoking it. And that's I mean that's the main criteria of my cigar of the year is whatever I smoke the most of. Um, well, and as Coop said, whatever you send out the most, because he said yes. he called it. He said he called it because all of a sudden he kept getting uh, Mexi Soul Robustos in the mail. Yeah, he's like, I know, I know what what Bear Cigar of the Year is going to be because of the he, ones you like to you like to gift them as much as you like to smoke them. That's true. That's true. Well, I will say this: he he he's giving himself. He had it down, but he's giving himself just a little bit of credit because he had it narrowed down to two. Because there was another the number two okay. cigar of the year that year. I was also gifting out quite a bit because I really enjoyed that one from uh, Dissident. The Block Lonsdale was was uh, uh, was fantastic as well, and that was my number two cigar of the year. But um, we're I want to I do want to dive into this. But you speaking of like old school, like familiar nostalgia. We're talking a lot about nostalgia. I feel like tonight. So I know you do you do travel a lot. You know, maybe not the last two years, but you do travel. You have traveled a lot in your in your lifetime and everything, but. When you go back home, when you go back home to Ohio, like what's, what's the meal? Like what's the, what's the, what's the welcome home meal for you? Sunday, Sunday sauce, man. Going over to my mom's for Sunday sauce. That's, that's definitely the meal. And I haven't had it in quite some time because my parents moved part-time. You know, they did that, uh, the snowbird thing where they got the place in Florida, left me all by myself up here. So I, and then my mom says she's getting great tomatoes in Florida and the sauce is amazing. I go down there for Easter and she didn't even make any. Oh, so I've been out. Cool. I've been with, I've been without sauce and meatballs, real sauce and meatballs for all winter. So I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get over there to get some, some sauce and meatballs, but that's the, that's the come home, uh, the come home meal for me for sure. Now, was that, that, was that always the tradition growing up? Was that, I mean, that really was like the, like the cliche Sunday thing. Like she made that every Sunday or. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't always it wasn't always Sunday sauce, but it was always like, no matter. I mean, that's kind of like where the the whole ethos of of La Barba sort of came from was because I brought that when I was in college. I brought that with me uh, to kind of slow everybody down every Sunday. You know, it was like 
all the hustle and bustle during the week and then to slow everybody on down on a Sunday to have a meal together, I think is very important. And I still do, you know, like I was telling you earlier, my dad, my mom decided to go golfing today for mother's day. We did mother's day on Friday. Um, my parents are both big golfers, but my dad came out to my house today to help me cut down some trees and stuff. And it's just always been like, that's when we do our family stuff is on Sunday, whether it's eating. And then I, I had to order out, uh, sauce, which was a bad, my dad was not very happy with me because I'd ordered from a restaurant ravioli and meatballs. And he was kind of like, what the hell, what is this? And I'm like, well, I didn't have time to make sauce all day. I was cutting trees down with you. So we had, we had restaurant sauce, which is, uh, it's almost like being in jail. <laughs> is it like, is it like, uh, uh, Henry Hill or Ray Liotta's character in at the end of Goodfellas where he's like, mm-hmm. so fun, fun fact about that movie uh, at the end of that movie, because so many stories came from where I live, he picks up a Youngstown Vindicator newspaper when he is uh, put on witness protection, when he says the famous, now I have to eat egg noodles and ketchup, but the Scorsese put the Vindicator, the Youngstown Vindicator newspaper in that movie as an homage to all the stories that came from Youngstown that they put in the movie. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Well, that is a small world. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to that for a second. So that's where you said you went to go to. I remember you telling this last time, and I, I think I misunderstood. So you actually made sauce in college. Like you didn't take it like you didn't package it up from your mom and bring it with you. you no, actually I made, made it. it. Yeah, generally, I'm, I generally I made it Saturday night heavily intoxicated. And then it, I, it would take me all night till like five in the morning to get it done. And then I would. Um, put it in the fridge and then reheat it up or the freezer. Cause I'd have a bunch of it. I'd make like, you know, 10 or 12 giant pots of sauce. Um, by pots, I mean like bowls and then I'd, I'd freeze it. And then every Sunday I'd reheat it up very similar to what my mom does today. That's awesome. But my, but my parents go all out and they go hand pick tomatoes. They jar their own tomatoes. My dad has like in their basement, they have like vintages of sauce and it's very strange. Vintages. Yeah, like, well, I'll ask oh. my mom, like, is this a 2021 sauce, a 2020 sauce? Oh, my. It's a, okay. It's a, it's a big deal. This is this is going way deeper than I wanted to. And I love it. This is fantastic. I, well, I mean, I get I mean, I guess it, it keeps that's the whole point of is preserving it. And everything is just it keeps and everything. I mean, right. So that's why they, they do the, they preserve them in ball jars and then they date them. I mean, we don't go too far back. It's usually like a three right around a three year swing. Because we and plus it doesn't last that long, right? I I I can't tell you what it was. I think it was it was like a YouTube video <clears> or something <throat> like that where I saw like this family in New York, and it was like a family, and they're sitting in the alleyway uh, between like two of their brownstones or whatever, and they're all peeling like Roma tomatoes and stuff, and they're all getting ready yeah. to make this sauce that'll that's gonna last like the entire family, like you know the next year or whatever. So I was just. <laughs> It's uh, it's really cool, really cool tradition, and in in this one in this one thing. So, um, so you missed opportunity, man. You gotta you maybe gotta maybe gotta arm wrestle Justin Andrews for the rights to Sunday gravy now. So <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, uh, well, that's that's interesting. So, like, if okay, so you're 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 talking about your parents like relocating at least part time down to Florida, um. But uh, I mean, if I'm at Ohio's home uh, for you and 
I mean, is there a place in this world that you would consider like your second home? I know, again, I know you travel a lot, so. I mean, it, it would have to be Miami just because I'm down there so often. You know, that's where our warehouse is. So, I mean, that's, that, and it, and it sucks that it's changed so much and it's gotten so bad over by the beach, but like the, the memories of like going down when Wynwood was down in, in the Wynwood district um, and starting La Barba there and then like having the office and having my friends there. That's kind of like, I never, I'm never uncomfortable when I'm in, when I'm in Miami, which is odd for me to say, but I do, I do really like it there. And I like Charleston, South Carolina. That's my other favorite place. The the food scene in Charleston is like out of this out of this world. And the best shrimp and grits I've ever had in my life was in Charleston. Absolutely. And I also and I also like Fort Worth, Texas, of, of a lot. Oddly enough. Really? I do. I hate Dallas. Well, yeah, me too. I mean, yeah, I live here. So I like the people in Dallas, but I don't like what's weird to me is I was like just driving through to like driving through Fort Worth, you feel like you're like in, in Texas proper, but then Dallas, it's just like a cement, like, I don't know. You're just like always on a highway. There's always a hundred interchanges and you never really feel like you're in a neighborhood. I don't know. It's just Dallas has always been weird to me. Yeah. I mean, there's like two reasons for me to go to Dallas it's to see Jay Davis or to see Brandon up at Renegade. And that's about it. And Brandon's in technically in Richardson. He's not even in Dallas, but same same difference but that's like the only only reason i would go to dallas county if i had but um yeah i, I, had, I had no idea so what where's your like what's your thing what's your favorite thing to do here in fort worth um well i really like al's steakhouse um i really like to go on the roof and have a meal and a martini and a cigar that's like uh, you know finding a place like that is like you, there's like five places in the world where you can do all three of those things at the same time, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. and it's just, and then you just uh, on the rooftop and you're overlooking like downtown Fort Worth. And then I've always just had a good time, like walking the stockyard with it. I like the fact that I can grab a like giant can of beer and walk up and down the street and watch insane people. So yep. that's what I like about uh, Lincoln road in Miami. But I also like that about the stockyards in Fort Worth where you just, like kind of walk up and down and just watch the craziness that happens on in that stockyard area. Uh, I, and then and the weather, I like I love the weather there. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's beautiful here. I love I love downtown Fort Worth. I think it's it's I think it's one of the most underrated downtowns uh, that I've ever seen. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, you were talking about Wynwood in Miami and everything. I was there recently. Uh, we were uh, in town for the the great smoke a couple months back. And, uh, I visited a, a friend of my wife's. We went to, uh, the salty donut in Wynwood and that was fantastic. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's crazy. Like we would, you would go a block and you know, it's completely different than the next block. Like they, like the people warned me about that and I was like, okay. And I mean, that was pretty literal. I mean, it was just, Oh yeah. It's a it's a roller coaster neighborhood. They're really they're really trying to redo some areas and stuff. Like, <laughs> I got a funny story about where our office was after the factory. We had an office like another office in, um, like right at the edge of Wynwood, and there was always like these homeless guys that were outside of of the office. And it was kind of like a camp, you know. So we walked out of the office, and I I just grabbed lunch. We were going to get coffee or do something. 
and I had a banana in my hand. And like, it's, it's, it was like 2019, you know, I don't have any money on me. I don't have any cash on me because I don't travel with cash because I think, you know, that's asking for trouble. But the guy was like, he came up to me. He's like, do you have money for me? And I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm like, I honestly don't have any cash on me, man. And I was like, but if you're hungry, I got this banana and I gave it to him. And he just looked at me and he goes, fuck this banana. And he threw it into the park. And I was like, I'm like, that was my banana. Like, if he didn't want it, he could just give it back to me. You didn't have to ruin both of our days with no like, banana. Jeez, man. Yeah. So I'll just never, I'll never forget that. When, <laughs> when, when the guy, when the guy, like, fervently resisted my banana offer. That's, uh, that's, oh man, that's, that's crazy. I mean, my wife and I try to do that with the homeless. We'll, well, we, we give food instead of money. Yeah. And, and, I can't recall a a poor reaction, let alone let alone that. They might have done it after we left, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, like he did really not want my banana. Yeah, clear, clearly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So many other reactions that he could have had. Well, that's great. Um, it's it's really interesting as we as we travel and everything, and we find these these pockets and stuff. I find myself like whenever I travel to like, for the most part, like I really want to move to wherever I go. Like I, I could see myself living there, but then at the same time, like I don't, I could never see myself not living in Texas at the same time. So it's always, it's always a fun little battle in my head. Right. Yeah, I've had conversations with my friends about that. Like I've had conversations with Rob. He was like, "Why do you still live in like Youngstown?" I'm like, "Because when I live here, I have things to look forward to. Like, like you live in in like Miami Beach, and you know, you go. It's hot every day, and you." like go kayaking with your wife in like the mangroves and you go down to the keys. I'm like, what do you do for fun? I'm like, you can't do anything. Like you go skiing, I guess. Right. But like, you have like nothing, like that's it. Like that's where everybody wants to end up um, because of the lifestyle down there. But I always laugh with them about it. Plus I'm like, you know, my, my house being the square same footage as your house and being a 10th of the price you know, is also a lot better. And I'm always yeah. 45 minutes away from an airport, no matter what. So that's one thing that like our house has never went up here. We've never, we never had like a huge, it's always been the same since I was a kid, like our house values. That's crazy. Even with the, even with the, uh, I mean, it's gone up a little bit. It's gone up relative to inflation, but it hasn't gone up like insane. Like, like the rest of the country. Right. Nice. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I uh, my sister went to uh, to graduate school in 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 Cleveland, and uh, we went and visited some of the you know the outskirts of you know suburbs of 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 that city and everything. And yeah, I mean it's it's a beautiful part of the country. I love it. So it's just very green too. You know, I'm not used to that being from West Texas myself yeah. personally. So this this was really green to me when I moved here to over here to the uh, DFW area, and then got to visit places like Ohio and I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. That that's, that's what a forest is. Got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's, um, been, it's been really messing with my allergies so far. It, like it, it, like we had a late bloom because it, it was like we had a couple, couple freezes and like once the stuff started growing, my allergies in the past two weeks have just been atrocious and I never get that, but they've been so bad. I don't know why. Same thing happened with us. Like, I mean, we moved to this area. I mean, it's not that far, that far from where we were living, but, you know, there's more woods and everything on our, 
on our property now and everything and just all the leaves and stuff like that. And it, like you said, the late bloom and yeah, it's just been, it's just been crazy. It's just been crazy. So, all right, well, let's, uh, let's hop into tonight's major point. We've already kind of talked a little bit about it, but uh, tonight's major point is brought to you by the people. Yes. Cigar people, the people who know everything about a lifetime of service Proto- protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, Maybe it is. But behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back. For the regional cro- Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Laman series, Bass Reeves, Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P, Protocol, Cigars. So tonight's major point and is actually going to be about, about everything that's kind of gone on with you, Tony, in the last uh, last 18 months or so. But um, we do kind of have to revisit uh, the topic of, of tonight's cigar that was that I'm smoking. Um, are you smoking tonight? I am. I'm smoking an antique line, 2012. Awesome. Well, I'm smoking the as we talked about at the top of the show. We are. I am smoking the Grand Robusto of the La Barba Ricochet uh, Crew Mexi Soul. So. Number one cigar of the year for 2020 for all Sufumar takes, uh, just like we talked about, just really gravitated toward it. Now, we, we're talking a little bit about the flavor components of it at the very top of the show and everything. But, um, Tony, when this is I mean, this is a very unique cigar in, this, in the, its makeup, you know, starting to get the, with the wrapper, you know, you you hear all the time, like with your original Ricochet, like San Andreas Maduro. Right. San, you know, Maduro is like the, the when you talk, think about Mexican tobacco, that's what people think of. Um, but this is a this is a sun grown wrapper from Mexico. Now, um, when you and Henderson were still were kind of tweaking with this particular wrapper and everything, what, what about it with the wrapper was what really like, captured you? Like, man, I really I really want that for one of my projects. I think it's that that wrapper adds that, that we were talking about earlier is that old school minerality component to it. I don't, it wasn't that I set out to start that cigar with that wrapper. That cigar ended up with that wrapper because of just like all the trial and error that we've done. And we were like, let's just try this. Let's just try to put this, you know, on top of the cigar and see what happens. And we tasted it. We were like, this is it. Um, so the- I just think, I think it adds the structure and I think it adds the minerality. And I think it adds the body to the, to the whole blend. So the uh, the coincidence of the two Mexican leaves was just I mean, that's all it was. It's just coincidence. Yeah, it was a happy accident. Serendipitous, if you will. um, And I I know we're going to be talking about the the next release in the Ricochet line here in just a moment. But um, the. What's like when you were coming up with the second release in this Ricochet line, what like what gap or what? you know, what were you going for necessarily? Were you going for something like exactly what it came out to like this, this, this medium bite cigar that wasn't as heavy handed and, and uh, robust as the original, or did you want something even lighter or, or what were you, what were you kind of going for? So the whole, the whole premise of Ricochet is like really getting back to my roots and wine as we've discussed them. Um, so I wanted to, to have that as the central like overarch right between, between all the different releases with, with ricochet um but i also i wanted to have a breadth of of cigars that encapsulated each one of the 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 wrappers that we ended up using you know i there was that nexi soul was always going to be a habano wrapper it just i didn't know 
where that revenue was going to come from, whether it was Ecuador, whether Mexico's Dominican Republic. Uh, it just it just so happened that we found that wrapper that made that that completed the puzzle of that specific cigar because that one's geared more towards Bordeaux. Obviously, you know the Primitivo. It's funny because the the Primitivo thing happened and it kind of opened my mind to what like a series of cigars could be because it was just going to be the Primitivo release because that cigar was designed for like Italian Zinfandel or the red Zinfandel wine. But I said, once I had the, the trademark thing, I was like, why don't I just open up the door to being able to do a couple different releases with that same mindset. And that's, that's how that kind of um, the Ricochet series evolved, I guess, from, from the orange to the, the blue and now the, the Connecticut that's coming. <coughs> So I, I, I've, you know, we, we've talked about it being referenced to Bordeaux and everything. And I, I know you have this reverence for it, particularly when you're eating steak. I know that too. I know that Bordeaux is like your go-to, but um, so, I mean, this is always the stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is it, do you, do you find yourself gravitating? I won't say your favorite. Do you find yourself gravitating more towards this blend than any of the other blends in the, in the La Barba because of its affinity with, with Bordeaux or? I do. I mean, I think that there's, you know, there's, for me, there's a, like a time of day thing with cigars, you know, like mm-hmm. I like to, um, like, especially, like, I love the Purple Robusto. It's like my favorite cigar of all time. Um, the, for me, anyway, um, or us, I should say. Um, so I like to start my day off with that. And I usually like to finish my days with those. Um, especially that I like the Torpedo if, I, if I'm like at a fire or something after, after dinner, if it's like a nice cool evening, I'll smoke the, the longer torpedo. I, I think that's a great Vitola. Um, I like to smoke the, Korea, the Coronita after dinner. Um, with you know, I'll usually have it with a sweet dessert wine. Uh, if you haven't had it yet, you should try it. Like, a, like an ice wine or like a Tokai or a Sautern is when I like to have that, um, the little Coronita. Um, it's very enjoyable then for me. Um, I don't know. I really, my, I don't really have a go-to. I have like a, because I'm super OCD. So I have like a go-to with a go-to. Like if I'm doing this, then I'm doing that. Sure. And that's the way, like I, uh, that's the way I kind of have my brain work. Um, I have like a cigar for everything, which is odd to say, but. No, I, I get that too. Cause I, I'm, I'm pretty, I, you know, I, I'm, I don't think I'm OCD, but I, I definitely gravitate. Like, like you said, time of day, time of time and place, I gravitate towards a normal cigar. And like, so it's, it's funny, you know, like during, during COVID and everything, I was doing a lot of walks, you know, I, I would walk in the evening. Um, my, my two-year-old was a lot younger than, so I'd just push him in the stroller. And, and so I'd go on these evening walks or I would do these morning walks and stuff. And, and uh, it, this just became that this just became that accompaniment to it. And just the like the minerality that we talked about and that we love so much in this particular blend, the outdoors, it just it just melded really well together. And it was just a it was just a beautiful combination. And but it's also the cigar that I can sit here and, you know, have a great conversation with and, and just really enjoy. I Like I said, this um, as unique as this blend is, it's just, it really, it really, really hits for me. I've always, I've just, I've enjoyed it from the very beginning and it's, it's become, you know, like Coop and I revisited like some of our, 
like our our staples of our humidors, like cigars that we just always have on hand. And and I was funny. I was like, you know, I look back at all the cigars that I've, you know, given accolades to, you know, and it's, it's a short list because I haven't been doing this for too long. Um, but, you know, this and the Espinosa Habano are probably the ones that I'm still I will smoke, you know, at least a couple a week. Um, well, I appreciate being in that in, a, in that rotation. Yeah, it's 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 just it's just perfect. It hits me fantastic. So but um, but so congratulations again, Tony, to uh, to making a fine cigar and being Thank named you. the my, my award is right behind me here in my office. Oh, fantastic. That's what I'm going. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Um, but uh, but 2022 has been a big year for you guys, as you announced um, a really amazing project, the Bolado Premium Cigar uh brand or company is now is now in full effect uh so you are partnering with your father who is celebrating his 50th year in the business yes his 50th year in the business 1972 is when he he started in this crazy mixed up world 1972 1972 so um but this is something that i think i i knew but i it, it was kind of in the back of my head it wasn't like if someone had put me on the spot with it, I don't think I would have been able to say until I, I kind of relearned it again just a little while ago, but you're third generation. So your dad started 50 years ago, but even before that, it was, it was your grandfather who started in the, uh, the tobacco industry. Yeah. He started with a, like a, like a book of news stand. He actually, um, it was a school supply store that he sold. My grandpa was a book. He was a bookie and he also delivered books and magazines and um, he would go do what we call it around here, the bug. I don't know if you guys ever had it out West. It was, or the number basically. And, and what that was, was they'd pick a horse race for the day and then they would go, it was basically the precursor to the, once the state figured out what everybody was doing, they created the thing called the lottery. And, but it, prior to having the lottery, it was called the bug. And it was basically okay. like, you'd write down like, you know, uh, four, seven, nine, and then you would hand it to the bookie with your money. And then the bookie would go either give it to another bookie or they would take it to the racetrack and bet your money. And then if you, um, you know, if you lost, you lost, but if you won, they took 10% or or the big, right. Mm -hmm. Um, but by the lady that owned the store, um, owed my grandpa quite a bit of money and she lived upstairs and it was kind of like he wanted to have his own business so he kind of said to her like i'll forgive your debt if you give me the business and the building but i'll let you live upstairs for free for the rest of your life because she lived in an apartment upstairs so that's how he kind of like uh very italian way to obtain a business but i guess like in the 60s that was all right um (laughs) But then, yeah, so then my Does dad... Does she still live there? I mean, just stop chatting. I don't know no, how old she is. No, oh. she's... Yeah, my, my grandfather would be 95 or 96 or something like that. Okay. She was older. She was older than him. She was older old than him. He was, yeah. Um, but she, no, lived, but she funny, lived there until the day she died? Yeah. A funny story about that is her son was a like a drug addict and a thief. And one day uh, he tunneled through... My grandpa was in the back office... And the kid tunneled through his bedroom, dug through his bedroom into my grandpa's office while my grandpa was still there after he thought he had left. 
and the kid falls through the ceiling and is standing there face to face with my grandpa and neither of them really know what to do. So my grandpa just started chasing him. They ran around the block. My grandpa finally caught him and like, it was this huge, huge deal. Um, <laughs> they had, like, he put a steel plate up in the, in the ceiling so the kid couldn't dig through anymore. Um, oh my. Yeah. It funny. And, then, <laughs> and the basement. So the cigars used to be kept in the basement and because of where the store was and how old the building was, there was always six to eight inches of water on the floor. Um, just because of like, I don't know how old it was or, you know, I don't know why there was always water on the floor. So I remember as a kid, I was probably, I don't know, 10 years old when I first started making allowance money, which was basically like forced child labor. So my dad would take me to the store on, on Mondays is when he would get the, his Fuente shipment in. And back then when he would get a Fuente shipment in, it would be like 80 master cases of Fuente. So I'm talking about like three UPS trucks full of just Fuente. So I'd have to go and I'd have like my rain boots on and a price gun and I would be on a ladder and I would just go all the way down and just sticker all the different. And then by the time I was 12 or 13 years old, I already knew what like 858s were. I knew what wrapper they were. I knew double chateau chateaus. I knew Macanoo. I knew all the all the wrappers and all the, and I didn't even smoke a cigar yet, but I just knew it because from having to work and like listening to them talk about things and um, breaking down all the shipments and stuff. Yeah. Child labor. (laughs) So, I mean, so you were, I mean, you were the, you were a cigar geek before, before there were cigar geeks. Yeah, I guess so. I I I first started, I first started smoking cigars when I would, when my dad would get back and this is very bad. Um, so just pretend that I was 18, but, uh, my dad would, my dad would get back from the trade show and I would take the cigars. He would leave the bag that he would get in his office and I would sneak in there and take, uh, and take cigars and smoke them in my fort. And then <clears throat> what I really got, it was really funny. Cause I used to take, my dad wasn't a cigarette smoker. And unfortunately, that's how I started smoking cigarettes was I would take the, the, the nat, I knew he would never miss them. So I took the Nat Sherman Fantasia cigarettes and then everybody used to make fun of me because I would smoke like pink and gold cigarettes. <laughs> I, I remember when I started in retail and my, my brother, my brother's a cigarette smoker too. He'll, he'll always share a cigar with me when I want to, but he's, a, he, he was a cigarette smoker for the longest time. And, uh, Still kind of is off and on, but uh, but yeah, he he dug it's, it's it's again small world. He dug the Fantasias. He loved it. Like I tried getting him like to try other ones too, and he's like, no man, just bring me the Fantasias. I'm like, you really like him? He's like, yeah, dude, they're too they're too cool. They're too cool. I'm like, That's cool, man. To each his own. That's. Yep. <laughs> I never I never I never got into the cigarette thing. I just never I've never I've never believe it or not I've never had one. <laughs> oh, we were talking. Here's here's what happened, and I will say. Um, <clears throat> Here's what happened for me. I saw when I had the, we were talking about Goodfellas earlier. That's one movie that I saw when when Robert De Niro after he tells Morty uh, that if he wants his money, he's going to have to do so. I can't remember the exact line, but he, but Morty comes in and he's like kind of shaking De Niro and he's like, "Give me my money! I need my money!" 
And then the camera like pans away and it's like, it's Robert De Niro sitting there and he's smoking the cigarette. And it, the Sunshine of Your Love song, but the song plays yeah. and he like takes a drag of the cigarette and like lifts one eyebrow and you could tell like what he was planning while he was smoking that. And I saw that and I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then I, from then on, I wanted to smoke cigarettes. And then the other thing, the other one that got me was John Travolta in the movie Broken Arrow. Remember he used to smoke yes. a cigarette and he would take yes. his fingers off like that. Oh yeah. yeah, and it was just this very over the top. Um, yeah, no, was, yeah, and um, I remember, um, I remember watching Broken Arrow for the first time, and when he puts the cigarette out in front of, I guess, the general, when they're at the oh, yeah. beginning of it with his hands, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. And, and uh, um, my dad used to smoke cigarettes too, and and uh, I asked him, I was like, hey, have you ever done that? And he was like. What you mean this? And he put it, I was like, oh my! I was like, how, does, how did you do that? Just thought it was like some superpower or something. But yeah, so someone asked me that too, and I I, I attribute to it. It's got to be to a film or TV or something. Like someone asked me, like I like when did I want to start smoking cigars or whatever. I was like, I knew on my 18th birthday that's what I wanted was a cigar. I didn't want a cigarette. I wanted a cigar. And um and it was all about. It started about the age of 10, 11, 12, something. I saw. I must have seen something. It had because I watched so much. I've watched so much films, so many films, growing up, um, and even to this day, it's like still one of my things. And and it had to have been something. Had to have been something where I was just like, oh, that's that's it. But that's cool that you can actually pinpoint it to to the, that didn't that one De Niro scene. That's crazy. Still, it gives me goosebumps when I when I watch it. Still, <laughs> that's awesome. So I mean, so again, fifty years in the business for your dad. You guys, la- you're launching Bellato Premium Cigars, and so I think. I think the questions on everyone's mind, and I asked you this too when I, I texted you about it. I was like, you know, what what does this mean? Like, is is uh, what does this all mean? Is this something? Is this is La Barba going away, or is this? Oh no, going? no, no, no. La Barba's La Barba's staying exactly the way it is. You know, I'll I'll keep doing. You know, I will La Barba releases are very slow. Um, as you as you know, we've only I've only had four different cigars over ten years. Um. So I'm going to continue working on the barber stuff and I'm not taking my seat away from that table at all. Um, nor am I um, changing anything with, with the way that the, the, the barber works. Um, in fact, I'm adding uh, a line to the barber here shortly, Ricochet, Connecticut. <clears throat> and then <clears throat> it's also the barber's 10th anniversary this year. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably, I'm working on a 10th anniversary cigar for that. Uh, as well and then um labar was going to keep on keeping you know nothing's going to change with that uh the the Bellotto cigar thing is just you know back when i started labarba my dad thought i was nuts and um didn't think you know didn't think it would make it as far as it did um but for one i mean he finally told me he was like proud of me and i was like whoa that's weird and then i was like well why don't we do something together you know, outside of, cause I have partners with the Barbo when we started. And, um, I, I said, why don't we just do something together? And he said, he said, let's do it. He was finally ready to do it. Um, and by ready to do it, he's just like my taste tester kind of guy. You know? <laughs> um, he'll get a few trips at DR and, and that, but the, the, the cigars are in honor of him and in, in his tenure in the business. 
as well as an, um, an honor to his relationships with the business and the people that he's helped along the years. So it's not, I'm not adding more work for him. <clears throat> he's, he's uh, well deserving of his retirement. Um, so I'm not going to like be putting him on the road or anything like that. Um, but <clears throat> I wanted to do something with him that he could, that he could kind of, you know, he deserves a, a legacy and, and, a, and a footprint in this business. And I think that this is the way that we do it. I mean, that had to be like you, you you said it was weird but i mean that had to be i mean that had to be just such a fulfilling moment you know knowing what your your father's life's work and then you to you know kind of step off of that a little bit with with labarba him being telling you it's crazy at first and then all of a sudden you know not all of a sudden but him telling yeah, you yeah i mean but you know my dad's my dad's the kind of guy i mean he's a lot of a lot of people love him. He's a cartoon character, but he's also the kind of guy that like, um, you know, if I got a B, why wasn't it an A? You know, and it was <clears throat> now that I'm, you know, <clears throat> almost forty, I realized that that was f- for the best, right? Even though it like irritated me that he was never like, you know, you did a great job or this was amazing or whatever. He never really like gave me compliments like that. Um, but it was all to push me harder. I think, you know, to always, to always make sure that he was like, he was, he knew he was proud of me, but he always knew he couldn't like tell me. Mm-hmm. And then for him to finally do it, I think was a big, was a big step and a big, a big development in our relationship as business partners and father and son. Do you think there's something also to it as well? I mean, you know, here, here's a, you know, again, second generation, but entrepreneur. I mean, he obviously took it in a completely different direction and expanded it upon way what your grandfather did. Because right. he took it over pretty much right away. Because I think your grandfather started in the 60s, right? And, he's, and yeah, your dad like, started in 72. So it wasn't like that far of a gap. Yeah, he worked. My dad worked at, at my grandpa's store for, I think, five years, six years. And then he went and opened his. Mm-hmm. something like that but he opened his first one when he was 19 i think years old so i mean obviously the entrepreneurial spirit really bit you <coughs> yes i mean because we've i mean you have several business ventures right i mean you got the you still yes, have the retail locations yep two yeah, cigar things coffee. now <laughs> coffee yeah um still waiting for i'm still waiting for the wine tony i'm just waiting one of these days It'll get there. I know. I'm just gonna remember. Just keep forgetting. Uh, uh, no. Oh, you. Oh, you have. No. I, I'm sorry. Well, I really stepped out. No. I. I've. So you. You have a wine. That's what I. Yeah, that's I, what have I, was, a, I have a. I have a cava. I thought I told you. I thought I remember telling you that I was gonna send you a couple bottles. Of oh it. my gosh! No. Yeah, I thought I did. I was almost 100 percent positive. I told you. Oh I God, no, you. man! I totally needled you there, and I didn't even mean to. No, I wasn't even poking the bear. No pun intended. Oh man. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, I would love to try. Yeah, no, I've, I, I, um, I love the coffee. You did send me some coffee. I love that. That was fantastic. That was absolutely sure fantastic. I take care of my people. So, um, but um, I mean, the entrepreneurial spirit that obviously bit you and everything that, that, that had to be something that he was probably pretty proud of early on. Maybe not in say, they maybe didn't verbalize it, but. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a little bit more uh, risky than he is. Um, so I think that that kind of made him nervous, especially when I went out with LaBarba and, and a couple different things that we've done that, you know, 
uh, he was kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know. He's a little bit more conservative than I am. And I'm a little bit more like, you know, screw it. We'll pay for it when we have to kind of, or they'll, or they'll take it away. I don't know. Well, speaking of conservative, I mean, this is a man of, this is a man of particular tastes, your, your father. Right. So yeah. I've one of, one of my favorite story, cause you, you it, it's, so there's a lot of stories that get told and retold in this industry. Right. And they're and they they have a purpose and I'm not necessarily calling anyone out and I'm not necessarily saying it's a knock, but it's, it's for, um, it's, it's for ceremony, right? There's, there's yeah. some ceremony to retelling of the story. Your story is the one that I'm about to talk about is, is not like that. And it, it's something I've heard you say it. You said it to me in our first interview. I've heard you say it in a couple of other spots. And I, I love, cause I, I take, we were talking about your Sunday sauce, right? Yeah. And I, I have those memories of my childhood too. Like I can still smell my grandmother's cooking. And so like when I taste certain flavors and cigars, it immediately takes me back to my grandmother's kitchen and things like that. And you talking about every night when your father would come home after a long day working and you smelling the 858, the Cameroon tobacco specifically. Yeah. And how you can pick that out in a room. If someone's smoking a Don Carlos or someone's smoking an 858, you, you know exactly what it is. Right. It all goes back to your dad. That's that. That's one of those stories to me that just like, I don't know. It just, it, it rings true to me emotionally and personally. Um, so that, and that's something that, that's something that you guys are going to be doing together with this, right? There is, there's going to be a, there's going to be a Cameroon, hopefully. Um, working on it, working on it. Yeah. It's just a question of whether Cameroon is very, 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 very expensive. Yes. Very hard to source. So, um, I'm working on it. So I don't know when, but it, it, it is a, it will be an addition. So addition is going to be a line. That's going to be the main core line of, of the Bolotta premium cigar. Uh, lineup and the, and the goal is to do pretty much everything to its original um specs like we like so for example like the corojo if we, we do corojo which i don't have i'm not sure if we're going to do one yet or not but if we do one it'll be not hybridized cuban corojo you know real connecticut broadleaf real african cameroon so that's kind of the goal with the addition project is to do those those true to form non-hybridized country of origin rappers that oh okay which i grew up with and you know now are are through the roof expensive but we'll see so gonna pull all the strings we can to get the the, the good tobaccos so this is uh i'm assuming you're you guys are formally launching at the trade show this later this summer barring no shipping uh delays but yes what? Yeah, we all know the, yeah, logist- I mean, we'll the be- logistical nightmare in the cigar <clears throat> industry right now is awful. And it's not even the cigars. It's it's like boxes and labels yeah, and stuff. I mean, I, I will be selling air at the trade show, for if, if not anything else. <laughs> just nice little bottles, you know, mason jars, you know. Yeah. Instead of Sunday sauce, you'll just be selling the, yeah. the bottles of air, jars of air. Um, well, that, I mean, that's exciting. Will your father be at the trade show this year? No. 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 He's a man of many mysteries. July, he, he doesn't like, he, he's, he said he's done with them. So we'll see. I mean, I'm going to try to get him back, but we'll see. He said he's done though. Well, it would be a, it would be a hoot just to, to, to be able to shake his hand 
I'd love it, yeah. man. It would be an honor. Um, <clears throat> I do want to get him out to some places, though. So we're gonna. I'll see if he'll do some traveling with me. Um, I just know he's not a Vegas guy. Um, he he's a big golfer, and he just doesn't he doesn't really like see the appeal of Vegas. Um, and he knows that like me and all of our managers could pretty much handle what what he needs to do. So um, <clears throat> very similar to TP is I'll have him on just on like uh, FaceTime and. <laughs> And we'll have a meeting with just Gino next to me on FaceTime. There you go. Um, well, t- I mean, tell him, hey, listen, if he doesn't want to go to Vegas, we've got great steak here in Texas and we've got great golf courses. And he doesn't have to deal with the whole hullabaloo of Vegas. It's perfect. I kept I kept telling him how he's got to come to Fort Worth because he's, he's never been there. So that's I know that because he's never been there, he's going to start to itch to want to want to go there. So I'm going to keep planting that seed so we can come down to, to Fort Worth and he can check out all the cool stuff. Fantastic. That'd be great. So, um, so going to starting with like the, just the logo itself. Um, it, were you, I, when I first saw it, it, even before I knew the backstory of, of the, of the 50 years and your dad being in the business and him starting in the seventies, right. It, it kind of gave off this seven. It, it's a very simplistic, you know, you know, script, but it gave off a very seventies vibe for me. Was, was that intentional or am I just, am I, just connecting the dots here. No, you're completely correct. And I'm a big, I'm a big fan of, uh, and I know it's earlier than the seventies, but I'm a big fan of mid-century architecture and Bauhaus design <clears throat> and the whole Bauhaus art uh, movement. And that, that design is kind of pulled from, from all of that. And then you can add in like the, like print designs of the seventies and things like that, that I looked at before we, we finalized the design. So it was kind of like, to give you that like mid-century almost deco you know city kind of vibe but also um with a kind of a modern twist to it <clears throat> now we've seen the full text i've seen the full text that the your profile pic on facebook the i guess is the anagram is that is that the it's a monogram yeah monogram anagram yep. monogram excuse me and that's that's of the new company as well correct yeah so that'll just be that's like, I guess you would call it the logo, you know, that'd be the logo part of the, the, the actual design. So that'll be on like the, the, like the little parts of the boxes and different places, almost like a stamp. <clears throat> so it, in a perfect world, I know logistics being the, just the nightmare that it is and everything. I mean, what's the plan at, what's the plan to launch is, are you planning to launch one line, three lines? Like what, What's the yeah, intention? So, uh, depending on when it when it starts coming is going to kind of depend on when I'm going to start selling and shipping. But the the the, the first line that's coming, I know for sure, is knock around, and that is going to be <clears throat> a seven dollar seven to nine dollar Robusta Toro 660 20 count box. Um, that's going to be like our entry level, like everyday cigar, um, Habano wrapper made in DR. Just a, like a great, literally like everyday dog walker kind of cigar. So there's going to be three three wrappers in that. Um, I have a Connecticut, a Habano, and a Maduro in that. Um, obviously, Ecuador, Connecticut, uh, Ecuador, Habano, and San Andres, Maduro. Um, and then the addition, um, that should be right behind it. That's Those are going to be more of the high-end the high-end one. So the first one uh, for that is 
Brazilian Eric Paraca, I believe. Oh. Was going to be the first one. That, so I'm not if that if my timing's right, I have to relook up my books and see where everything is at, like in in the spinning world of cigars right now. But that's I think the first one. That's the first time you've worked with that, right? Yeah, but I I smoke it a lot. That's really because cool. they're because of Robert, because uh, he like Eastern Standard's a hybrid air Baraka. Right. Um, this one is going to be dark, a little bit darker. Yeah, I meant with I meant with the La Barba. What your your stuff like your yeah. your stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, that's 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 really exciting. That's really exciting. So so it's gonna it's gonna span the breath. You talk about these nice these nice moderately priced cigars, and then you're talking about some some up I guess not upper upper echelon, but higher higher ultra premium quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know that's because the just because the tobaccos we're getting are just incredible for the addition line are just incredible and um they, they just you know it just costs more to make these cigars now because of the the rarity and the, the of the wrapper once you have you know once a, a 10 year old wrapper's gone it's gone you know right. you can't make you can't make a new 10 year old wrapper so finding finding enough of it and finding it in the right places and finding it from the right people is the difficult part and that unfortunately puts a higher price tag on uh, a lot of things so will they be limited production or limited edition or are they? No, they're regular, regular production until um, regular production until I run out of tobacco. So whatever comes first. So if I, if I, if I have enough to, to, to make them and have them all year round, then I will, but there might be a, a point where I run out of the tobaccos and, you know, it'd be more of like a backwater situation. Like they're, they're going to be coming back again. Right. Um, but it's just, it all depends on, it's not a limited project and it's not a, the addition is not limited in any means. It's just, uh, if I run out that I'm done for the, basically the year. So I guess that makes them, I don't know. What does that make it? I would say limited production, like, you know, uh, regular production, just, but in limited quantities, kind of like the, like the Colorado Scurro from La Florida Minicana. It's released twice a year, um, before, uh, Oliva took the Milanio Maduro uh, was a, was an annual release of limited production, but now they've made it regular production where it's available year round. So, so I would say like just more, you know, it, dep- it, it, it honestly depends conservative, on the conservative yeah. production. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it depends on the demand, you know, if there's a huge yeah. demand for it and, and it goes all at once, then it goes all at once. Well, that's, that's really exciting. Um, you know, and so, so I mean I'm 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 assuming you've worked with like and I've heard this too, but I'm I'm assuming you've like worked on these blends before and for whatever reason you just didn't feel like let's expand on that because I've I've heard you say this, like they just didn't fit in the Labarba family. Like it just didn't work. Right. What, what what does one mean by because you're not the only person <clears throat> to ever say that when they're talking about placing a blend in this particular brand if a company has several? What what is that? I'm sure everyone has their own different answer, but what does that mean to you? So, I mean, for me, the, the vision with, with La Barba was always um, kind of the kiss rule is to keep it simple, stupid rule, you know? And I wanted to make, La Barba's definitely made for my palate, but it's also my palate for everyone else's. And I think that, you know, some of these blends just didn't fit into that, into that category where, you know, I smoke this and I think everyone's going to like it. So these are more, um, I guess, 
things that you wouldn't normally find within within a box of a brand like that if that makes any sense mm-hmm. so a brand that's kind of made like by the people for the people and now this is like kind of graduating and kind of saying okay like where like what are these exp- like wrappers that we can use that wouldn't really fit mass market or what are these different blends we can use that really wouldn't fit the mass market and that kind of um aspect uh wouldn't some of them wouldn't really generally fit in into the la barba quote-unquote box in addition to that you know i've always tried to keep la barba products around that ten dollar price range so some of these some of the stuff that's coming out wouldn't fit in that in that same $10 price range. And some of the stuff on the higher end is going to be above that $10 price point. So it's kind of, it's sort of like there was really no home for them. And a lot of these like blends and they hadn't even been completed because I knew off the bat that there was no home for them. So now that, now that, you know, now that I'm 10 years into this, I have a little bit more experience and say, okay, we need to tone this down. We need to pull this up and and revisit some of those things that we had in the past especially some cigars that my dad was with me when we blended so i think that that that's what i mean by fit inside the the the, the category of of the idea of la barba okay so um just to take a step back for a second because we didn't really talk too much about it but the the newest release the la barba ricochet connecticut uh, this is your first, this will be your first Connecticut that you've released. Um, and I mean, that also has to be kind of special too. Cause that was, I mean, that was, you know, when during the heyday and obviously through the boom, you know, when you were helping your dad out and everything, that was, that's what you saw a lot of and everything. So that has yeah, to be I mean, Ashton, nostalgic. I mean, we were, uh, Ashton was like the, uh, you know, my dad and Manny Ferrara were, were, I wouldn't say good friends. I would say great friends. You know, Manny used to basically sleep on our couch. We, I, I remember Manny would walk into a, a steakhouse in any city with an entire box of Ashton's and everybody in the entire restaurant got a cigar from him. That's the kind of guy he was. And that's how, you know, that's how I was raised in this business. And that's how this business has been to me. And that's what I think about it as a whole is, is living those experiences. And the stories I have are, are way too many and boring, but um, but yeah, the Connecticut is kind of, and then originally when we did the, I did a Connecticut for my dad, um, when we were in DR blending purple, cause we had smoked La Hero all day. And he was like, I just want something to smoke with my coffee in the morning. That's not going to make me throw up at nine, you know? So we made, we did the Siempre thing, which was like just a private release. It was kind of just for him. Um, so this is the Ricochet Connecticut is like expounded on that. And that kind of like, again, puts closes the, the current box that the La Barbara portfolio has until we decide to open it back up and revisit some things. That's right. I remember hearing about the Siempre. The, uh, was that, was that a, was that a store exclusive for y'all or pretty much? I mean, it, it was, it didn't start out to be, it's just that nobody, nobody tied it to La Barbara. So everybody was kind of confused by what the hell it was. So it was available for sale at the trade show, but like no one bought it. Um, and then nobody really knew what it was. So I kind of just kept it as like my dad's, it's basically my dad's cigar. That's, that's kind of how it's been. Mm. Anything, anything that he really likes. And that's kind of where Bellotto, the Bellotto cigar thing came from. Is like, I would just put a, 
like if if I found something really good at Henderson's um, that I knew my dad would really like, I still had you know all these cigar rings from Sampre that <clears throat> were sitting there. So if Henderson say had like five or six hundred bundles of of something. I would just be like, throw the Siempre band on him and send him to the shop for my dad. And then that's what he would, because there's Siempre uh, box press torpedoes that I have. There's Siempre Maduro box press torpedoes that I have. Oh, wow. Um, Siempre Connecticut box press torpedoes that I have. So just stuff like that that was random that was just really good that I was like, my dad will like this. I'll just put it in the shop. I'll send it back to him at the shop and he'll smoke on it. Tell me what he thinks. So Anderson has obviously been a great partner for you and blended some, you know, some amazing cigars with you and for you. Um, I mean, is that the plan to keep a lot of there or just, will you be expanding to other factories as well, potentially, or. So a lot, there's a lot of moving parts now with the Blotto stuff. Um, my dad's reaching out to some, some of his old, you know, some of his lifelong friends to see, you know, what we can get done in some of those factories. Um, but we are at a point at our factory with Henderson that we cannot expand production in that specific factory. However, Henderson's father kept our original factory as sort of like a, so Henderson's dad's technically retired, but he still loves making cigars. So we still have our old factory where Henderson's dad and his buddies make stuff for them and their friends. Um, and it's literally like to keep dad out of the office. And the last time I was down there was actually the first I did a, we did a very small run of a Bellotto edition because he had a, and this is where the whole thing was born kind of. So he had a, it was called to Connecticut Des Florado. And he had like 700 bundles of it. Him and Elayo Diaz um, pulled the flowers off the Connecticut shades in this field in DR. They pulled the flowers off of like, I don't know, a couple acres. Because usually the flowers kept on to get that shade color. Uh, it's the only tobacco that they leave the flowers on. Well, they decided to pop the flowers off. So Des Florida means without, without flower. Right. They, and they fermented this wrapper for like seven years. When I went down there the last time, I was at William's house and he gave me one. And I was like, what is this? And he's like, told me the story. And I was like, well, can I buy them off of you? And he was like, how many? And I was like, I want them all. And he didn't want to sell them to me at first because <clears throat> that's how much he likes them. <clears throat> and the trick with, with Henderson's dad is Johnny Walker Black and Sprite. So I got him Johnny Walker Black and Sprite it up enough for him to convince, for him to let me sell about three quarters of what he had in that factory to me. So that was kind of like, you know, um, the fun, the fun story behind that. I got his dad drunk enough to agree to sell me these cigars I really liked, but those were for my dad. Cause I knew he would love them. And so then we, when we went back to the drawing board, I kind of said, okay, well, I wonder if William's dad will, reopen the doors to this factory because we're, you know, kind of at our max capacity between the barber and Caldwell at Henderson's, our bigger factory in Hochi's, Hochi's place. So Henderson and William are making some of the Bellotto stuff, but at the smaller factory where William's kind of in control of, of what goes on, even though Henderson 
is, I mean, it's, you could walk there from the other. So it's basically the same factory, just different building. Oh, God, okay. Okay. Interesting. So, so I, there, there's even a correlation there. So it's you and your dad and then him and his father kind of teaming well, up. And, and, and that's when, you know, when Rob introduced me to them in, you know, 2014, when I made Purple, um, that was something that was really attractive to me was that Henderson was a young kid in the cigar business trying to make it, making great products and working with his dad. And those were like the, the check marks when Rob introduced me to him that said that this kid can make a really good cigar for you. So those, I, those all like checked, checked off my, uh, my checklist things that I, I was looking for, for a partner with the factory. He, what he's done in his, in his young career has just been an outstanding and, and his blending style just hits my palate. Like everything, like the, uh, the Queen's Pearls, the Royal Return Queen's Pearls Robusta was, those my, are amazing. Yeah, it was in my top five this past year. Like it was fantastic. Yeah. It is fantastic. It's a fantastic cigar. I love it. And he seems to really blend for my palate. I know you throw told me to throw it away, but the year that you know your cigar won number one, he actually had three cigars in my top ten. That Mad Mother, that Mad Mofo is very, very, very good cigar. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. one of it was one of them, and then and then Matt's uh, Farce Maduro was the other, um, and. Yeah, he it, what he does with tobacco just really just really hits my palate. And and obviously those are three very different cigars too. So that's 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 the breadth of talent that he yeah. that he's got. No, um, he's 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 special. And I was just busting your chops about throwing a cigar away. Oh, I know. I know. The cigar's too good to throw away. Just take yeah. the band off of it and don't let Rob know that you smoked it or liked it. Those are the two. <laughs> yeah, I mean it wouldn't it wouldn't be an interaction with either you or Robert without you guys giving each other shit. So I Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But um, to, to speaking of speaking of Rob, that's interesting. Um, kind of nice transition here is, you know, one of the projects that you guys really, you know, sunk your teeth into, and it, while it existed prior to COVID, you guys really dove in with this the, with the Lost and Found project, and you know, it, we're going to talk about some of the some of the negative inclinations with it, but at its heart, what. The, the charitable charitable aspect of it and what you guys were doing um, with this project really, I think it like we were talking about being cigar nerds. I mean, it really, it really captivated cigar nerddom in its best. I mean, you know, you were able to find these really, really, really limited cigars and source them and, and bring them to the consumer and they would have been lost to, to, to history or, or to, to nothing and everything. But, why, why we'll talk about the charity aspect in a second, but what, why did y'all want to do that? Like, why, like what's, what was the kind of the genesis of that? Of all of lost and found. Yeah. Just the, the idea of like, Hey, we're, these are, these are like, there's like 25 of these cigars or 250 of these cigars. Like, and they're you fantastic. You, you hit, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's cigar nerddom for us at our finest. I mean, it started with Rob, like freaking out in factories, like I'm FaceTiming me like, dude, this cigar is, there's like a hundred of these. And like, he would get home and send me five of them. And I'd be like, what is that? And he'd be like, dude, that like, it would, we would totally, and we still do to this day when he sends me a, a bag of stuff, he calls me the day it comes in, 
he goes, go home right now and light the cigar. I leave my shop. I go right home. I sit on my patio or I sit in here. I smoke my, I smoke it while I'm on the phone with him FaceTime. And I'm like, dude, this is fire. And he's like, and it's happened every single time. And that's exactly where I got started. I was like, and we were talking, I'm like, dude, other people need to have this experience. Like we have to, that's the heart of loss and found. That's where it got started was we found this really cool shit that we really love legitimately love. And we want to share it with everyone. And if we can do it at the most reasonable price we can, then we should, it should be a project that everybody should be able to get their hands on. We had no idea what the impact was going to be. We had no idea what it was going to do. We just thought a couple of people in a couple of places that we were friends with would smoke them and like them and want more of them. And then all of a sudden, like I remember in, in 2013, I, somebody sent me a screenshot of a pepper cream soda that was like on a secondary website for $75 a cigar. And I was like, that's not what the idea of the project was. The idea of the project was everybody could smoke these things. They're not supposed to be these rare, like so rare that you would pay $75 for them on, a, on an auction site or whatever. But we had no, we had no idea what it was going to, what was going to happen in the next 10 years when, that, when we started that. And we had no idea we would be where we're at right now with it. And we had no idea that we would be, you know, that we would feed 50,000 people over Thanksgiving. You know, we had no idea like where, any of this was going and the whole time we were doing it, we were literally going by the seat of our pants, trying to figure out what, what the impact, the what positive impact we could have on everybody and everything that this project touches. And I think that, you know, through different ways, it's, it, it's a natural story that kind of gets thrown here or there. And I just, I know where it started and I'm, that's why I'm, I'm proud of it. No, I mean, you, you're right. Tony. I mean, it, it, it's, it's incredible what you all were able to do or still are able to do with this, this project, and you know, at such a small scale. And the, the thing that I really like about it, you know, is it's, it's incredibly honest, you know, like there's, you know, uh, you know, we we're talking about limited production and production earlier. Right. Yep. And so many people throw that word limited edition on. If you look at, so this is the thing I still crack my crack up about. If you buy a box of Hoya de Monterey Excaliburs right now, which you can do in most, most, most shops in North America and probably a couple of yours, it says limited edition on the box. Still does. Same cigars. I love it. I'm not knocking it. It's some of the same great cigars. Like I, it's one of the old classics that I still go to all the time and it's fantastic, but it still says limited edition. And I think that word gets thrown around a lot, way too much in this industry. Um, and then all of a sudden it becomes regular production or, or whatever. It's like a testing of the waters, right? For the most thing. This isn't that like you guys have been very upfront and honest about it, which is what I really appreciate about what these are. Like, Hey, this is, this is truly one and done because it's, these are these rare gems that you just, like we've just found literally. Yeah, I mean, I have like one of the antique line boxes I have in here is one of one. And like, I, I don't even know why we went through the pain of, because it, I, I, it was coming to me. So I don't even know why we went through the pomp and circumstance of putting it in a box and putting a band on it and doing all this stuff. Like, I'm, cause I'm doing, I'm down there with Rob doing it. And I'm like, I go, why are we doing this? Cause I'm just taking this box home with me. 
but we did, we went through the whole pomp and circumstance and it, it's sitting right back there. It's one of one. It was literally, there was, I think there was 30, 30 cigars. Rob and I smoked the other ones and a couple, I think two or three were broken. And <laughs> like the other, they, we just had enough for one box. And they're like this super weird size. They're like, they're like, I don't want to get up, but they're like, like long, long, they're like longer Lonsdales. They're like seven by 44, seven and a half by 44 or something. Well, I, I have no idea. Too, no yeah, idea too fat what, to be a Lancero. Yeah. And I have no idea what they were and where they, I have no idea where they came from, but I know what the rapper, I think the rappers, I don't know. I don't even know. It's on the box. I can't remember, but they were amazing. And we went through the whole pop, pop and circumstance of making one box of them. And I have one to the one of one. Like I didn't even sell it to anybody and I'm not even going to open it. <laughs> That's awesome. And so like, so, so COVID turns, it's ugly had two years ago. And then you guys really up this charity component. And, and I remember you talking about your conversation with Rob about this. It was very, you know, rushed is the wrong word, but it was very, it was very aggressive. Like, Hey, we've been talking about this and now we're going to do it. Um, yeah, ever since, so ever since like lost and found became a thing, we kind of started to like, we felt bad because we never wanted it to be something that we made money off of, you know, it was never supposed to be that project. It was supposed to be a fun project that like made a difference. And from the beginning, we said, if this ever does anything, like we're going to create a charitable, charitable component around it. And we just hadn't had it figured out. And then Rob called me and said, I, I haven't figured out. I just drove past the places called Camilla's house in Miami. He said, COVID's here. I just passed the Camilla's house in Miami and there's 500 people in line trying to get food. And I was like, we need to do this right now. Like we need to just figure it out. Stop trying to play with numbers and try like, stop trying to figure it out. Just let's just release the cigar and then anything, anything we make just goes to that. Anything. So any, just write him a check. With anything, that, any of the proceeds from the cigar, just make, just write him a check. And then from there, we started talking to different people, and you know, we did the the. I mean, COVID. It, it was oddly enough, and Rob and I had a conversation with the people that did this. You know, you don't think about kids, and in in, um, in inner cities that don't necessarily have the money to afford art supplies. Right. And we found, and we found a charity that donated art supplies during COVID because you, you couldn't share them because kids weren't going to school. So usually the school has colored pencils, markers, paper, all that stuff. Well, if everybody's doing work from home, you know, you have to buy that stuff and some people just can't afford it. Right. And, and that's not fair, you know, for me, in my opinion, you know, and it's not fair that people don't get to have Thanksgiving dinner. We did one for the Pava, which for that, and Christmas, the Toys for Tots and Tunnels and Towers we did with Juan from Protocol. Yeah. Um, and it's it all of these, the charitable components to the Lost and Found stuff is all stuff that's near and dear to us um, and, and things that we've experienced. And it's, and they're all, it's all going to things that really, they're really making a difference. It's not like, you know, like you to set, like that, like give, like save a child for 10 cents a week thing that I don't think even really works. <laughs> it's, it, it's real impact and we've seen it. 
But we, yeah. you know, but then again, I, I don't, and I told Rob this, I don't ever want to publish the numbers. I don't want anyone. Like, I just want, I just want us to do it and be proud of it. And that's, that's for us. And it's also for the guy smoking that cigar that knows that he did something good by buying a bundle of cigars and there's an impact somewhere on someone because of that purchase he made and that cigar that he's smoking. Well, it's a very personal pro. I mean, it started off as a very personal project for you guys. And this was about you guys sharing your love of these gems that you found to the consumer. And it, and then it was expanded upon that very personal, you know, you know, giving to everything to, it, it was kind of like the, the next step in, in, in making that statement, like, Hey, this isn't a, this isn't about money. This isn't a money grab. This is about the bigger picture. This is about sharing what we love. And, and then also, you know, sharing, sharing even more with those, those less fortunate. It's, 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 it's a beautiful project. It's fantastic. What you guys have done. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, um, the, I guess the, it's kind of gained a spotlight in recent months, just because of, you know, you know, some of the stories that have come, come across the line and cigar media, we talk about responsible marketing and stuff. And I think, you know, I think the case could be made like early on, there was some that kind of, I guess, towed the line of, of what there's been conversation about in recent months, but y'all have kind of gotten away from that a little bit in y'all, and well, at least we, in my mind. It wasn't for, you know, first of all, to, to set the record straight, we never marketed the kids ever. It was never. Of course, no, of course, absolutely not. Oh, yeah. No. Just, just, just a yes. blanket statement. Yeah. And that was never our intention. It was our, always our intention to have fun. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just so that for that to be said, we never, ever thought that it would be an issue with saving this industry and making sure that this industry stays safe. And when we sat down and talked about it, it was time. It it was time to make a change. It was time to evolve lost and found again because it had evolved a million times before. And we had to grow up and the brand had to grow up with us. And we didn't be, we didn't want to be the cause of the failure of this industry that we love so much. And it's that simple. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there, there had, there were some that were, were kind of weird and, and, and funky um but we were we were also kids when we were doing it you know and not kids but we were we were young in the in the industry mm-hmm. um is what i meant and and now you know we we've grown up and our lines have grown up and i think it's important that that we stay above board with everything you know well, I think you said it right there, Tony, like, you know, with your, your blanket statement, you know, I mean, it's, it's all about intent. You're, you know, you guys might've been young and let I me mean, throw the word immature in there, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we were still but, telling fart, we were telling fart jokes, I mean, <laughs> you know, it was like, <laughs> okay. But I mean, and fart jokes are still funny by the way. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, but I mean, again, the, the uh, the sole intention or the core of what what lost and fan was built on was of in itself a very mature concept you know the 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 idea of of bringing these these hidden treasures these gems to to light to so that people could enjoy them like you all did i mean that's you know who does that you know who's gonna do that you guys are well, obviously we're the first and 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 uh and have been the innovators and then there's been 
several people that have kind of fallen suit a little bit with that, but it, it it's the way that you all have gone about it from the very beginning. And, you know, you know, you could argue that there were some immature components to it, but like the idea and the concept itself was, was very, you know, was very, was very mature and, 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 and then obviously evolved with the charitable component and everything. I've, I've just been a big fan of it. I, you know, and what the work. Yeah, and, we never, and again, with the, with, the, you know, to, to go back to the, the, the packaging thing, we never thought that they would get into any, like they were, they weren't even meant to go to really cigar stores. They were just meant to go to like our friends. You know what I mean? It wasn't right. like, like, and that was the, and that was really the fun part about it was like, like I could put, you know, Rob's face on something like whatever, like a goat if I wanted to. You know what I mean? And, and it didn't matter. And and he could do the same to me. It was just like, right. that was, and I don't know if you've seen the new packaging, but I mean, this is what Lost and Found looks like now, today. The uh, antique? Yeah. So this is the antique. Um, each one has the vintage, all handwritten, very pretty. And then I also have, ironically enough, they just came in, is these guys this is the instant classic this is a box press toro these are very very pretty these guys um the this is the first uh manufactured loss of found product that we're doing so these are actually made for us but oh okay so this is oh those look instant. gorgeous um but yeah so we're also starting with loss and found because Oddly enough, like the antique line um, is going to be sparing because literally like we're getting to the end of these lost cigars that we've found. Like they're right. because of COVID and other various items and, you know, manufacturers are now doing a very similar, you know, program to lost and found and a lot of other brands have done it. So we are starting our own uh, manufacturing aspect to it. And we started that project about halfway through five years ago um, with, we did originally the instant classic wet pack was some, was one that we, was one that we made, but we're going to, the lost and found idea is going to be very similar in that these cigars are not, they're not going to be young. You know what I mean? They're going to be like seven to 10 years old before we release them. There could still be some lost blends in there. Um, but you know, pepper cream soda is a perfect example of something that we would love to revisit as, as making it a, an actual cigar, just because the cigar was so damn good. Yeah. I remember it was fantastic. Um, backdoor Bambi was another one that I really enjoyed. Yep. Um, no, so that was going to be my next question. I think you obviously just answered. It was like, I mean, how, I mean, how much longer can this concept keep going? I mean, how many, I mean, how many treasures can you find? But I, it's been quite a bit so far, obviously. Yeah. I mean, and we, and there was a lot when we started and now there's like, you know, but that's what's, cool, what's also cool about it is that, you know, we started this thing and we were finding, we were finding some treasures, but now we're like, because we've had the relationships with these guys for so long now, you know, these antique, the antique line, this is stuff that like, I, I mean, I would, I, I wish I could tell you what it was, man, but I mean, it's stuff that's like, it would blow your mind if you knew what some of the antique cigars used to be. And we're getting them because of our relationship and 
they're finally allowing us access to the last of this. I mean, some of the antique stuff we have is from 2002. I think that's the oldest one. It's a 20 year old cigar. Yeah. Damn. It's, it's still amazing, you know? And is the idea to keep the charitable component still going with it too, as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. We just did with the most, the 15 minutes of fame one. We just, we fed, uh, we did another thing with Camilla's house. Um, Antique is still going. I'm trying to work on a, on a deal with, with uh, the people that I was telling you about earlier to, to try to find something to do with them. Um, but yeah, that's, the, that's the goal is to keep that, that company is going to stay, you know, as we're going to keep that company helping people as long as we can keep it helping people. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a great uh, move into one of our fun segments, which is what uh, comes next here, Tony. So this one usually comes later, but let's, let's hop ahead since you kind of just teased it a little bit. Um, you know, one of my favorite things that I've launched since, you know, it's been oh, a year and a half of this. I had launched on my birthday a year and a half ago. And every week uh, here on Ellis Fumar Takes, we spotlight a charity or nonprofit of my guests choosing. And it's been really, it's been a lot of fun because we learn, uh, we've learned a lot about um, not only our guests and, you know, some of the things that they're involved in, but more importantly, we're learning about some amazing causes and, and, uh, and, you of course tonight chose the the purple cat, uh, really really funky name. Um, yeah. But a great organization, and there's an incredible story behind this. And true to form, it's Mother's Day, and it yeah. has to do with your mom. So, yeah. um, so talk a little bit about the, what the purple cat is, and and why you chose to spotlight it tonight. So my mother has her master's degree in, in special education, and she was a teacher for. Um, I think however long you have to be a teacher for before they make you retire, 35 years or 40 years. Um, and then she um, worked for the county. She worked for the county and then she worked for a local university teaching a special education class. Um, and then she started getting involved with, with different uh, charitable organizations. Ironically enough, the, I just remember this, the first event we did with Winwood and introducing the Barber Cigars was a Purple Cat event where we donated all of our profits from that event. Talk about coming full circle. We donated all of our profits from that event to the Purple Cat. And Elio, the kid who painted the famous rabbit in the hat and has done Eastern Standard, mm-hmm. uh, he we did a painting on one of Jimmy Sutman, who's the uh, organization leader for Golden String because Jimmy had heard about him from someone else and it was just like this weird like everyone knew each other somehow really small crazy world that we all hooked up and we did this big blowout party I was on the news it was a huge crazy thing but anyway long story short my mom um, then after after she retired began uh, working with adults with disabilities because oddly enough there is a huge problem um, with adults with disabilities entering the workforce and having a place to live after they're done with school. And that's something a lot of people don't think about, but it's, it's hard um, number one to get a job. And a lot of, a lot of adults with disabilities can't live on their own. They need assisted living. So with the purple cat golden string um, there's a whole team of them. So the purple cat, there's the purple cat, there's another one called Golden String, and that's their radio station. They have a, a, a full 24-hour-a-day 
disc jockey radio station called Golden String Radio. They have a couple different candy shops and they have a couple different opportunities for, they have a farm and they have a couple different opportunities for adults with disabilities to do various jobs. And they also provide them with uh, housing if, they, if it's available in addition to uh, assisted living and getting them as, and, and then what the organization does also is works with the federal government and the state government to make sure that, you know, this isn't an area that is overlooked by the government because it is so important. Um, so that this is something very dear to my heart because I grew up with my mom and I grew up with a lot of her students and now her students who she's kept in touch with are now my age. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's been fun watching them enter the workforce and, you know, working the farm and like having something that's their own. And I think that that's very important. And that's why golden or the purple cat and golden string were my, were my picks for the, my charitable organization. Well, it's fantastic. I, 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 you know, that kind of rings personal for me too, Tony, because I have, a, I have a, I have a cousin, um, uh, unfortunately he's no longer with us, but he, uh, you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head with this gap because like all, all through school, like he attended school, he graduated from high school. He actually had a job in high school. You know, he worked at a local pizza parlor and, but once, once school ended for him, that's Crickets, kind of, probably. what's that? Crickets. Like yeah. nobody there to do anything. Yeah, it, it just, there was, and he was kind of just left to live this life. And, you know, his, you know, his parents did the best that they could. Um, but, you know, he just, like you said, like he, his, his, it, it, his life lost that track that it was on, you know, I mean, he was, he went to school, he was working and everything. And, and, but after that, the, the program stopped and everything like that. And it just, it, it kind of went away for him. And he, he, I feel like, you know, if he had access to like the purple cat or something along those lines, I feel like he, his life could have been a lot more, a lot more fulfilling than it ended up being. And I say that with the greatest respect for my family member. I mean, but those, those last years were lost just because there, he, he had no purpose and he felt no drive and that had to, you know, he never said anything like it, you know, to but I, f- I could feel it that he felt like he wasn't worth much. And that's just not true. It just wasn't true. He was an incredible, incredible person. He's, yeah. I mean, you can't, no human being should feel like that ever, no matter, no matter who it is. I, you know, it doesn't, I don't think any human being should ever have to feel like they're not, uh, that they don't have a, a place to go or uh, a quality of life or anything like that. I, I just don't think that that's, I don't think it should be tolerated personally. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things that are less important, I think in this world than, than ha- people having a decent quality of life, no matter who you, no matter who you are. No, definitely. Um, so is your mom still, is your mom retired or is she still, is she working in school still or? <laughs> no, I'm, I made my mom my accountant. Oh, that's right. That's right. You're telling her that. Oh, yeah. that's she was, but she had with no accounting experience whatsoever. So she does all my bills and all that stuff. So is she still working? Uh, does she still work with the purple cat on occasion? Uh, yeah. So she'll, she'll do like, we'll do, you know, like, I mean, as dumb as this sounds because I'm like a public figure in, in town, 
I do like they call them celebrity bartending nights where I'll go like bartend and all my tips will go to charity or I'll wait tables and all my tips will go to charity. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. We do, we do stuff for the uh, Rich Foundation in, in town here, which is for, uh, that's an autism, um, charity, but we, you know, my mom will occasionally, she still is in touch with them and, and, and golfs with all that, all of the ladies and they still do, uh, the special Olympics golf outings and all that stuff. Um, oh, terrific. But every once in a while I get the call, the call to arms where my mom will need me to come help out for a little bit and so- use my local, celebrity prowess to get tips so this wasn't just a vocation for her though like this wasn't just work this is this is her life's work i mean she continues it to this day i mean it's a true passion for yeah and she's been doing it since she was 16 years old i mean she she started working at the school was uh an aide you know when she was 16 and that's all it's all she ever wanted to do now she has to do my accounting so i'm sure she's real (laughs) thrilled with all that so um so Tony, I've been, I was looking through this on their website and everything. I can't find, I'm sure you, you know of it. Is there a direct way to donate money to the purple cat? I could not find a link on their website. Uh, maybe through, maybe golden string would have that. Okay. Um, golden string radio, but the, I can, if anybody reaches out to you, I can, I can get that for you. Um, cause I deal usually with, with Jimmy Sutman, who's the guy that runs it. Um, absolutely. Yeah. If you, if you, uh, if you could get me a link or, or contact information to, to pass the donation on, cause uh, so a part of this Tony every week, uh, um, is my wife and I have actually pledged, uh, weekly to donate a small amount to everyone's charity that they bring forth. Um, so um, okay. Yeah, I'll be I'll be in touch with his contact information. Perfect. I don't know why there's nothing on the website. I mean, I know it's. Kind I'm of probably like, just missing it, maybe. But uh, yeah, usually they have like a donate link or something. Yeah, it's not the greatest. But it tells website. a lot of the great story there. So like, I encourage you, I posted the link in the chat. It'll be in the show notes as well, gal. Um, but check it out. It's um, it, there's a lot of great stories on the site. There's a lot of great programs that they do. I mean, t- Tony's just scratching the surface, um, but. Uh, but thank you. Thank you so much for bringing this wonderful organization, your mom's life's work to us. Um, I think it's, it's just absolutely perfect. It's beautiful. So thank you. Um, so that will lead us into our next segment of the evening, which is of course our one must go. You probably remember this, Tony. Um, as always, it's brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. Smoke wins today and start living united. Um, so, Tony, as I, uh, I know you've done this a couple of times with us before, um, but, you know, here are the rules. So I'm going to give you three things and one's got to go. So I, I try to typically try to curb it around my guest uh, a little bit. And so I, I thought of some three very specific pairings. Um, now, they're not all the same thing, obviously, as you'll know here in just a second, but I thought of three things that uh, came to mind when I thought, when I think about you and specifically pairing. So I thought these are the three things and one, one's got to go. And they're all, they're all pretty classic for you. At least in my mind, you might obviously disagree. So the first option is Bordeaux with filet. That's your go-to uh, when you, okay. when you're having steaks. So uh, 
Miller High I did, Life. I, I did have a Chateau Briand the other day, and it was very, very good. But and I drank uh, California Cab. Anyway, nice. Well, I, I know, I, like you said, it's always about the moment, right? It's always about yep. the the cut and stuff. And I, I know you like steak in general, but I know your your go your main favorite is fillet. It is so. So Bordeaux and fillet, Miller High Life and cooking, because I know that's also your jam. And a final selection of Youngstown coffee with your choice of a La Barba in the morning. So one of those pairings has to go Bordeaux and filet, Miller High Life and cooking, or your favorite Youngstown coffee with your choice of La Barba in the morning. So, Does high, but the here's the question I got for you to answer sure. your question. Does high life stay in my life, just not while I'm cooking, or I have to? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, okay. it's just you got to get rid of it with the pairing. Like you can never have another fillet with Bordeaux. You can have Bordeaux, but not with fillet. You can have fillet, but not with Bordeaux. You can have Miller High Life. You just can't cook. You can cook. You just can't do it with Miller High Life. You can drink coffee, no La Barbecue cigar. You can have obviously La Barbecue cigars, but no Youngstown coffee. Gotta go cooking with high life. I can't wow. get those other, okay. those other things up. I love to I love to have hot miller high life while I'm cooking. I really do. But I think that I could like I can get around it. I get around this rule by having like like but like Budweiser would be okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm like having my my you know, go-to like, cheap beer. Yeah, like or, or the PBR. I see the PBR hat you've been wearing tonight too. Oh yeah, I could do PBR for sure. Uh, it's hard, you know, it sucks. It's hard to find PBR in a bottle. That's one of my favorite things. Like PBR in a bottle is very hard for me to find. Yeah. I'm drinking, I, my other dive beer that I've been drinking a lot of is Bush. Bush Heavy is very good. And Coors Banquet, which I heard they're getting rid of Coors Banquet here, by the way. So if you, oh. if, you if you like it, you better get it quickly. Oh, that's that's just tragic, man. No. That's tragic. Bush. Oh man, that's that's one I've never really cared for. I mean, I for me, I look, I I'm down with PBR, I'm down with High Life. Um the, the What is your what is the Texas dive? What is the Texas beer of choice? Dive beer. Lone Star. Is it well, just Lone Star? It's just strictly Lone Star. Um I mean if you I mean Ticate, if Tecate, you, you guys drink a lot of Tecate down there. Tecate probably, but um but I would say like if I mean if you went around I mean, if you went around the frat houses on Saturday morning, you would just see empty cases of Natty Light everywhere or Keystone, which the the Keystone, not, not so bad. I can get around that. Natty Light. Uh, I'd have to be very desperate to drink a Natty Light. That's not very good uh, for me. The 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 beer that I will absolutely just I'll go without beer, even if someone hands it to me, I'll just say no, thank you. I just I for whatever reason, it's funny because I, I'll drink a high life, but I can't do Miller light. I just well, I, completely different. You know what I had that was very good the other day because they were out of high. Cause I have, remember I have high life with my chicken wings. They were out of high life, but they had Miller genuine draft. MGD man, one. the clear, the clear bottle. Oh man. Oh, it was fantastic. MGD was really good. I haven't had one. I hadn't had a beer that tasted that good in a long time since high life. I actually had a 40. I drank a 40 of High Life two nights last night. Right before cutting why. down some trees today, man. I'm sure that. Yeah, I don't know why. I was with my fiance and she's like, let's get 40s. So she had a 40 Bush Light and I had a 40 Miller High Life. Woman after your own heart, man. It's 
found like it sounds like you found your soulmate there. That's perfect. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, we're talking about memories and nostalgia. I I can tell you my my first the first time my first interaction with Miller Genuine Draft MGD. My dad, we were at a restaurant. It's called the Great American Steak Burger. So it's kind of it's kind of a steakhouse in El Paso, Texas. It's not really. Um, when we think of steakhouses, we think of like Del Frisco's and things like that, and some of the other finer establishments around the country. But it's a it's a fine restaurant. It's 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 truly wonderful. Like but like moderately priced, like a step above Texas Roadhouse, but like a step below Del Frisco's, if that makes sense. And but that was like our family restaurant. We didn't eat out very much at all. But whenever we would go to celebrate something or like my dad's like boss came in town and wanted to take us dinner or something like that, that's where we would go. And, and I remember that I remember Miller, Miller Genuine Draft in the bottle, my dad sitting there and there was something very attractive about it. And my dad asked me, he's like, do you want to sip? And I was like, yeah, I sure do. And I, and I remember drinking Miller Genuine Draft at the Great American. That's that's my that's my memory. <laughs> so, MGD man, MGD. MGD, awesome. Yeah. So, so that's so you can get around it. So the Miller High Life and cooking is the one that's got to go. Yeah, I can not... probably also change it to MGD, MGD or PBR. I could change it to. There you go. There you go. Um, so that was our one must go segment. As always, it's brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. So thanks for uh, participating in that, Tony. Um, so we were, we've, we've talked a lot about like moments and memories and everything tonight. So I think this next segment is actually perfect uh, to kind of, I'm really interested to hear, and I'm sure there's a lot of these moments, but we always talk about in the cigar industry about how community driven is. We're doing it now. You and I are sharing a cigar, even though it's done virtually, but you and I are sharing a cigar uh, together. We do events in, sto- in stores and shops and, you know, the cigar shop has its own community and it's its own, you know, fr- fraternal or family establishment to it. So it's very community driven, but every so often we, we have those moments where it's just us and the cigar. And so that's our next thing, which is uh, brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in one person, in, in your own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. Light up an asylum and choose your refuge. So, so Tony, here's the question. It doesn't have to be like the most momentous. There's probably been a few. But that moment where it's just you and the cigar, what was the cigar and what were you doing and what was the moment? Hmm. Wow. There's a lot of them. I'm racking my brain here. I would say, I I think I got it. I would say, it was everyone had gone. We were in Dominican Republic and everyone had gone in for the night. And I was the last one on the patio at Camp David. And I lit a what was going to be a La Barba Purple. And I was up there just like looking at the city. It was like one of those moments where you don't think it's real. 
And I just remember thinking to myself, like, how did the, how did I get here? How did this all happen? And there was a reflection of like everything that had happened prior to that. And then that, then it was like, where's this all going? And where am I going? Cause I have no fucking idea. And I smoked the whole thing on the, on the, I was up till like three 30, just in like this serious contemplation, like, I mean, I had rum, so that also helps with contemplation, but it was like, I just couldn't believe where I was at and I, and I didn't know where I was going. And it was like this, th- like thrilling, but very anxious, like kind of weight that just landed on me. Cause it, it, at the point I was so, you know, tunnel visioned on, on getting, on getting it done, getting all this done and looking just right in front of my face. It was the first time I had sat down and really thought about like the, the journey up to, and then the journey coming from. And then I, I don't think, I'm trying to think of the next time that I've actually, like from then I, the last time I sat down and thought, this is the first time I've actually thought about me thinking about that. And now looking back on all of the other crazy shit that's happened, I maybe need to do that again. And really, really do that. You know, have that contemplative, um, thought of of where how I got where I got and where I'm going next, because I really still don't know. Did you find an answer that night? You said no. you you thought, how did I get here? How did I get here? I kind of get, I kind of got a grasp on, but where I'm going, I had no idea. I still don't. That's 10 years ago, almost. It's like something, something new every day, you know? We, we talked about this the last time you were on. I don't know if you remember, but we talked about the, like the legacy of, of La, at the time, La Barba and now La Barba and Balada Premium, right? And, and it's collective effort. And, and you can actually even tie in Lost and Found because I know it's you and Robert's project too. I mean, I mean, is that, is that the goal or is it a, is it more of a, could you characterize it as a hope that, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, that the Barba, the name Bellotto is in the same conversation with Ashton Fuente. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, I think that legacy is very important to me. I think, if, I think legacy is more important to the cigar business. So I think that, um, you know, in, in my mind, I just want people to look at, at the things that I've done and, and innovate from there, number one. And number two, maybe say, like, he had, like, he had an impact, a positive impact on this industry in, in X, Y, Z way. And I think that that's important. And I think it's important to usher in, you know, we're, we're still, you know, the younger, uh, the younger guys on the block in the cigar business, at least I think so. Um, but I think it's important to, to usher in the next generation of people that are going to be in the cigar business and like, um, 
pass pass the legacy, the, the torch, so on down to them, and make sure that they give it the respect that it deserves um, through their tenure in, in, in this industry. You know, with all your different ventures, and and we could probably spend the night picking through them and talking about the importance of them and why they're important to you. But we're on the subject of cigars, obviously, like, what is it about? What is it about the cigar industry? That's, that is so important to you. Why, why is, why is this legacy so important in this specific arena to you? It's because it's what made me who I am. I mean, it made it, it, it literally grew, it grew me up. I mean, this, this, this business has been, my entire life and everything, you know, and I could, again, tell you stories for stories and stories about things that I've seen, but I, you know, I learned about everything through this business. Like, granted, I ended up going, I, I went to school for wine, but I went to school for wine because I love cigars. It wasn't the other way around. Oh, okay. You know, it's, it's, I wanted, I wanted my, I wanted to grab a hold of anything that I could that would tell me what my palate was all about. I was, I was literally obsessed with it. I okay. still am, but I was then too. Um, but what is it about this industry? In addition to that is like, like we talked about earlier, like I would, first of all, I don't, I don't have to wear a suit. Okay. And I won't usually wear one. But I don't have to, I don't, my, my days aren't boring. And every day I get to talk to somebody that I'm friends with. And just like tonight, like you and I have developed a friendship over the past 10 years or, you know, how long have you been doing this? Five now or so, right? Mm, five, yeah. Roughly. I mean, over the past five years, you and I have developed a relationship where like, you know, like I randomly just walked into Michael's that one day. Not, I didn't even know where I was going. I didn't know I was ending up at your shop and you were there and we had a conversation and we just hung out mm -hmm. and you can't do that really in any other industry. I don't think um, you don't get that and you don't get the, uh, you know, I guarantee you if you were in Cleveland, you called me up, say, Hey, let's go get dinner. I would say yes. Or let's hang out, have a cigar and have a beer or whatever. I'll say yes. I mean, that's just, that's what this business does. It doesn't matter what, you do for a living. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't, none, none, none of that matters in the hour and a half that it takes you to smoke a cigar with somebody else. And the things that I've learned and the people that I've met and it, and weirdly enough, because of cigar stores, the things that I have access to are just in, incredible. Like some guy, I, I was talking to somebody about getting married and he's like, he's like, do you need a dove guy? And I was like, what? And he's like, I got, I got a dove guy. I'm like, you, I'm like, you have a dove guy? He's like, yeah, it's this guy comes and just releases doves at weddings. And then, like, in that very same breadth of a sentence, somebody else was like, oh, well, do you want to ride on the Goodyear blimp? Because I know the pilot. And I'm like, and I was like, kind of sitting around thinking to myself, like, just from the cigar business, like, I can have doves released, like, on a, like a John Woo movie or go on the Goodyear <laughs> blimp next week. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like if I ever wanted to make a video for La Barba of me, like slow-mo running from a helicopter with doves in front of me, I have somebody that will do that for me. 
no, no questions asked. But it's because it's it, because it's cigar business, you know. Right. It's like, like that's how it's the only way I can think of to to explain it. It's like I don't know. You just run into the most random people that do the most random shit, and then it's like, like if even if I didn't call the guy and I was like, "Hey, I want some doves," like I know he'd be there. But like, I'll give you five. I'll give you a box of Lavarvas. Just come release doves for me. You know, but that's what that's what the business is. That's what it does. Yeah, because it because it forces you to take because a cigar forces you to take time. You know, to sit down. You can't get away from it. You can't like avoid it. So if you're gonna smoke a cigar, you have to sit down with that cigar and you have to smoke it. And it takes 45 minutes to an hour. And if you're just sitting there, you're gonna talk about something. You're gonna strike up some conversation with somebody and you're gonna meet some guy that does something that you're gonna need later on in your life. But no other business forces you to do that. And no other no other industry forces you to do that. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, you just captured in like what I love about this industry. And I, we talk about it all the time. It's the greatest equalizer in the world. You know, a dove guy, the Goodyear blimp guy. I mean, that's just totally random. And, and then to, you know, add on top of it, you know, like guys like Carlos Fuente, Ernie Carrillo, Jose Blanco, like those guys are my heroes, you know, just getting to meet those guys. And and the, the list does not end there. It just to, to make it, to make it a short story longer. Um, but, you know, the guys that I look up to, these guys are like gods and heroes to me, you know? And the fact that I can be in the same industry as them is a pleasure and an honor. And I think that not a lot of people understand. And sometimes they take that for granted. You know, this is not a, cigars are not, something you could go to school for. You have to be taught how to, how to blend a cigar. You have to be taught how to smoke a cigar. It's a handed, it's handed down. It's not a, it's an art, you know, it's handed down from, from the manufacturing side to the retail side, to the consumption side. It's a, it's an art that's handed down through hundreds of years. And just to be a part of the tiny speck in that, you know, um, that, It's a, it's, I can't, it's too big to even explain. Like, I don't even have a word to explain, like, how cool that is. Like, to just be a part of that. No, it, it, it really is. Um, a lot of ways, you know, like you're, 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 you've done it in a variety of different aspects. We, we share one commonality in, in terms of retail. I've, I haven't owned a store. Um, but other than that, like, you know, you know, each week I have the opportunity to have amazing conversations with you, for example, and with, you know, like you said, legends in this business and it's, and each one, you know, we can characterize the, the impact that each of my, these individual guests have made on the industry. And even the ones that have made the smallest, if you wanted to argue it, it's still impactful. And there's still a there's still a story to be told and everything and and the what I really excites me about your story in particular, Tony, is there's so much past wrapped into it, but there's so much future left in it as well, and that's what's really exciting to me. Um, 
And I think it's, it's one of the reasons why I, you know, I guess I'm uh, enchanted by, by, by your approach. Um, and then, Thank you. and then you also make cigars that really hit my palate incredibly well. So it's, it's a win-win. So, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's really fantastic. So um, I, I, I love that there's a lot of honoring in the past and it's, it's also, it's also done. And I mean, with the exception of Bolado premium, you know, I think that's probably the most obvious thing that you've done to put a word on it to honor the past, but there's so much, like you said, it, uh, everything that you've done and it, it's a culmination of who you are. It's your entire identity wrapped up. So I think it's, it's a beautiful thing. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. So, um, so that was um, our asylum cigars moment. So light up an asylum cigar and choose your refuge. Um, well, Tony, we just got one, a couple more questions here to wrap up our evening. Um, and then, of course, our, our that always ends with our curveball segment. But uh, um, just a couple of business aspects. You mentioned earlier, um, I mentioned it kind of uh, just haphazardly, but the, the intention is for you, for you at least, to be at the, uh, the PCA trade show this year. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Uh, and will uh, you be sharing a booth uh, with, with uh, Caldwell, or will you be having your own booth again this year? Would you call Caldwell's booth a booth? To answer your question with a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, not uh, last year would probably be questionable. Uh, I, I guess straddled the line a little bit. I mean, but I mean, there were people there, there was a space, I, I suppose it would be a booth. So, um, uh, I, I will be obtaining my, I will be obtaining my own space, your own space. Okay. Away from him as much as I can. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and will it be a, a shared space for both Bolado and LaBarba as well? Yes. Okay. That's cool. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to, to see you at the trade show and to see uh, um, to see the you know at the very least the jars of air that might happen or uh, yes. see the uh, maybe product we'll product see. in the flesh. But we'll uh, we know the cigars are coming uh, as soon as these logistics kind of iron themselves. The out. cigars are done. They're just laying there waiting for me. Well, to like you said, like we talked about, like labels and boxes is all we're yeah. as everyone everyone just, same thing. They just need to be put in their little suits and their box homes and then they come out the uh i felt so bad for michael herklotz last year because he they had done all that work and all that prep and all, all that hype up into the show and everything and they couldn't they couldn't get a label and couldn't get a box made it was just oh god it's heartbreaking i'm sure but uh he made the most of it ricochet um, connecticut ricochet connecticut's on two years that, i was that, gonna say that's uh, that's uh, yeah it's two years now i, I know it's been it's yeah. been something that's been working on for like 18 months or so and the cigars are just in, which means that well they're well aged, so that's yeah, perfect. Makes them makes them better. There you go. So here's an interesting question because I don't think it's anywhere in the scope of what you want to do. But you've again being in this business for as long as you've had, you've obviously had experience with it. So the recent intention uh, and announcement of the FDA to look further into banning flavors in premium cigars. What what was your what was your whole take on that? Like what do you what what do you think? Well, I mean, I think I think that the FDA has no idea what's going on, um, which is unfortunate. I, you know, I would think my thought would be that they would they would hire somebody with from within our industry to kind of guide them with how our industry actually works. Um, 
it's it's remarkable to me i have a i have a problem with okay so i i in in my life and tenure as a cigar guy have never once seen a 16 or 15 year old kid come in and buy a 20 dollar cigar or at least try to i've never i've never had that experience in my life it's they just i don't premium cigars flavored or not are just not attractive to kids and the sooner the fda knows that we can move that out of the like equation i think the, the more relaxed that they're going to feel about having a sweeter or, or flavored cigars on the market and i always go back to to alcohol you know and they just released and oddly enough like i don't know why you know not to get into anybody else's uh business but i i don't general has to know something because they're not going to release a fireball the fireball cigar with deeming regulations coming for flavored cigars i don't think they're going to put that much money and effort into something that's gonna that it's going to come out to uh, a regulation right what do yeah. you think that what do you think that uh stg would know what was coming and to release I mean, a product uh, to release a product like fireball whiskey cigars i think would if i don't think i don't think flavor cigars are going anywhere if they're doing that yeah i mean that that did catch me no by idea. surprise no no you're absolutely right that did catch me by surprise and i was like you know the but i mean honestly the first thought through my head um that went through my head was a money grab but yeah, but, but I mean, if they're putting, they're, they got to, that's a lot, that's going to be a big project for them to, to put all the time and effort into licensing and dealing with, you know, uh, Sazerac or whoever owns that brand um, <coughs> to get all this stuff done for just to go away. I don't think they're going to spend the, the money. Yeah. On. Yeah. When you say it out loud, it makes a lot more sense that, I mean, cause I mean, well, I mean, that's, that's the cigar industry as a whole, right? The, the old, the age old mantra, if you want to be a, if you want to make a million dollars in the cigar business, start with two, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, the, I, the license, gosh, I didn't forget about the marketing and the manufacturing of the cigar, the licensing, you just hit it, man. That's got to, that's, that ain't cheap. No. So, I mean, I'm, and I'm sure they paid, had to pay a shitload of it up front, but you know, back to the question and not to digress. I, I think that there needs to be, a cut and dry, like this is the definition of a premium cigar. That's that's more defined than it actually is written. Yeah, and because I know a lot of guys that that got into smoking cigars that were not even close to being kids by some by starting with acid cigars. You know, guys in their forties. I know guys in their fifties that started smoking Rough Rider sweets to get into cigars. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an easy, it's an easy vessel for people to start understanding the world of tobacco. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, if someone, you know, if, if someone wants to get in the cigar business and I give them a Mexi Sol Gran Robusto or, or a Ricochet, uh, Oscuro Corona, they're going to be like, I'm not smoking cigars anymore in my entire, for, for my life. Cause they won't understand them. They're too strong. They probably don't know the etiquette yet. They probably don't know what they're doing, but it just, it's, it's, it's something that needs to, I think it's something that needs to stay. Is my point. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they have, I just don't, I don't get 
here's what I don't get to add on top of that. Okay, you can walk in the supermarket and you can get Mountain Dew fruit loop flavored vodka, right? You can get not here in Texas, but other places that sell liquor in grocery stores. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Cinnamon, cinnamon whiskey. Um, Where's that? Where's, where's the regulation for that? Like what, what's the difference? There isn't any. Yeah, exactly. And, and you, I mean, the age to consume both is the same. The, I just, I don't get it. I don't get the, the what they're trying to do, and I don't. I, I don't agree. I obviously don't agree with any regulation, um, but I definitely don't agree with this one. Yeah, the the alcohol take is is really unusual, and and specifically the craft like the craft beer industry is is really bad with it, right? I mean, they're really it's 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 over the top almost in terms of like you know that that argument of marketing to kids and. And you're right, there isn't, you know, for all this talk about, you know, like mad and, you know, you know, mothers against drunk driving and things like that and underage drinking being an issue and, and stuff, you know, they're not really cracking down on it. You know, when you've got, like you said, Mountain Dew flavored vodka or, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know many, you know, I'm almost 40 as well. I don't know many people my age that are going and buying the these crazy flavors of vodka and stuff like is that. alcohol. And I don't know why I don't know the answer to this question. Maybe you can help me out here, but is, is alcohol under the purview of FDA? Cause it's a drug. You know, I don't know. Wow. That's a great one. But I never even thought to think about that, but like it should be. Right. Surely it's not still under ATF. It might still be, but I don't think the FDA has anything to do with alcohol. Now I'm now I'm googling it. I'm straight up googling it because. Well, in tech in Texas, we have our own. We we have our own. I know that that's TABC, Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission. And that's a that's a whole other monster. I knew, I know the states have. A it might be that. state, yeah. It might be state governed. That might be it. With the same, like you said, like I kind of cracked a joke about it, but in Ohio and many other places, you can go buy, you know, a fifth of vodka at, you know, a Kroger or whatever. You can in Texas. We don't have, I mean, we have beer and wine sales in the grocery stores, but we don't have, you have, there's actually, you have to have a specific liquor store. So that's TABC at its finest. Well, we have, so ours are technically Ohio Department of Liquor Control stores inside of our grocery stores. So what they do oh, is, okay. The, the genius behind this is what the grocery store chains do is they go buy all the mom and pa liquor licenses out there. And the argument is that it's safer to buy liquor at a grocery store than it is to buy it at a liquor store because liquor stores get robbed. So they buy all the mom and pa liquor stores out. Because I do know that the state owns all the alcohol in the state. Right. So right. even if it's at a store, the state still owns it until you buy it. So it looks like the USDA, actually, the Department of Treasury's Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau regulates aspects of alcohol production, importation, 
um, and other aspects. So the USDA. Okay. Oh yeah. So, okay. So the USDA does what the FDA does for, for the tobacco industry. So they regulate aspects of the alcohol production, importation, wholesale distribution, labeling, and advertising. So yeah. So it's essentially what the FDA does. So it's the USDA for the alcohol industry. So, so I just want to, I just want someone to tell me what the difference is. Yeah, no, that's a, I think that's a, that's an absolutely fair question. It's a fair question. I, I, that's, uh, yeah, it's one of those, it's one of, well, I, that's always been my thing too. Like, you know, it seemed like every year since I got into the cigar industry, there's always been like these tax hikes, you know, it started with the, the S chip back in 08. Right. And, and it's just kept compiling. I was like, well, what about, you know, and they're like, well, they're always going to tag the, they're always going to tax the vice. I'm like, well, there's plenty of other devices out there. You know, yeah. like alcohol, like out, we talked about, you know, figure out, figure out marijuana. Why don't you work on that? Because that's a lot of tax money that you could be getting. Why, why aren't, why aren't strip clubs getting taxed? You know, why aren't they getting hit yeah. with this, you know? But um, I, you touched on this a second ago. I do, I do have to make this point about uh, the, you said the legal age this is the same and it's true now, unfortunately. One of the most heartbreaking experiences I've ever had as a retailer um was a the you know because it was it was overnight it was an overnight declaration hey no more you know tobacco 21 right and i had to tell a customer of mine who i had built a friendship with actually over two years he's 20 years old he came in on his 18th birthday and i got to know the kid and he's 20 years old and i had to tell him the day he came in, the first time I saw him and I was like, God, I, and I was dreading it because I saw him virtually every week. He would come in every Saturday and he would hang out with us. And I had to tell him that he had to leave. It was That's crazy. It was the most heartbreaking experience I've ever had in this industry. Yeah. I mean, hands down, hands down. So did you right. see that like in, uh, in New Zealand or Australia, I think it's if you're born after a certain age, you're never allowed to buy tobacco ever. I think it's if you're born after the year. I don't know. I, there was an Australian guy I was talking to, and he's like, there's a, a law in Australia that is being pushed through that says if you're born after a certain date, you're never allowed to buy tobacco ever. Doesn't matter how old you are. Wow, I'll have to get with Dave Burke on that. You know, the co-host of Cigar Jukebox with Coop. Oh yeah, yep. And and figure and figure get out. Get back what, to get back to me on that. I will because I don't know if it if it went through or if it's in Parliament. If that's that's what they have or. Well, I know who I know Hawaii is really trying to push that twenty five, and that's 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 that was my biggest beef about T twenty one. Was like, like you you think you think they're gonna stop? You think? Do you think the anti-tobacco lobby is going to stop at 21? No, they're not. Right. It's going to be 25. And it's going to be 30. And all of a sudden, Tony, you and I are going to be smoking in our 50s, and then they're going to you know, come knocking on our door saying that we have to give up our cigars because we're too young. Yeah. It's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. So let's uh, 
let's end the night on a high on a high note, on a little bit a little bit of fun. So this is our okay. curve curveball segment. It's always brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Uh, fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. Seven, count it, seven consecutive years in the consensus top three, including this last year. Congratulations to our good friend Steve Sock on the accomplishment. So, um, so Tony, we we talked about you know how you know you you got into wine because you wanted to understand your palate more, and that's uh, so you was the intention was always cigars. And uh, that was always the, the underlying, the underlying motivator and everything. So you've, you know, you've been a sommelier, you've worked in retail, you've, you're a cigar manufacturer, brand donor, all this, all essentially your life's work as we were talking about earlier, but what's a job that you would never do. Doesn't matter how much money could be offered your way. You could get, they would like the age old saying that someone could offer you a million dollars a year. You wouldn't do it. What's a job you would never do. Didn't matter how much they could pay you. It's a good question. Million dollars a year is a lot of money. Well, yeah, I mean, I just threw the number out, but <laughs> what my my motive my motivation, like I said, this is just a curveball question, just to be fun. But yeah, my, when I my my uh, inspiration behind this was Mike Rose, Dirty Jobs. You know. Yeah, like, of course. So. I was thinking of I was. I was actually Rolodexing all the episodes of that I saw that the, I don't really, I'm not really that fond of like killing stuff one. And I'm not really fond of like snakes and mice and rats and shit. So like, I think like being an exterminator would be one that would take me a lot to like, because I don't like kill these mice in my garage and it, it really like upset me for some reason. I was like these poor mice. I had to kill in my garage just because they were in my garage. Like they didn't know. They didn't know <laughs> it was my garage. Right. <clears throat> That'd be probably one. Uh, I don't think I'd like. I don't know. I don't know. There isn't really any. There's not really anything I hate. Hate. But I absolutely wouldn't do if I if I if I didn't have to. Nothing that grosses you out, other than I guess killing things. Yeah, and I don't. I wouldn't like killing people either. So <laughs> good, good call. Okay. Um. Yeah, I guess that. I guess that's where I'd be with that. Like things don't really, um, like gross me out that much. I mean, sometimes the smell of stuff will make me gag, but. It's not like so bad that I wouldn't do it, but I guess if I had to do it every day, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to do it. What's the smell that makes you gag? A common one used to be it was, and I had I had a cat, so cat food oh. used to make me gag every time I would feed my cat, and it was like aggressive, like almost throwing up, gagging, and oh. somehow I just like got through it. And same with cat pee. Cat pee. I was gonna say cat pee is the worst. Yeah. Oh god, it's the absolute worst. Oh, we. Um, I'm a dog person. Um, my my dog's actually asleep at my feet right now. But um, we all we also have a cat because my son wanted one, and my wife is a cat person. My son wanted one for his birthday, so a couple years ago we got this cat. And um, by and large, he's he's a good he's a good one. You know, he doesn't he 
uses the litter box and we don't feed him the wet food, which smells really bad. So it's just the dry stuff. So lucked out there, which is really great. Um, but he's a, he's a, he's a good one. Well, I'll, I'll keep him around, but yeah, cat pee. Oh God, it's the worst. It's, I think what I'm going to, if I ever get another cat, I think I'm going to toilet train it. I think. Have you seen those things? How you could toilet train a cat? Yeah. We have one of those automatic litter boxes. Those things are money. Yeah. Because they don't, they don't smell and they clean up after themselves. It's perfect. It's, It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. And my wife changes it out when it needs to be changed. So I'm like, sweet. That's called winning. I'll take it. Yes. Yes. So that is a big win. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that was our curveball segment, always brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Uh, and uh, that'll wrap things up here on our 209 take. Tony, thank you so much uh, for spending thank a you. Sunday evening with me. My uh, pleasure. Thank you. On Mother's Day, no less. Uh, hope your mother enjoyed her, her, her day of solitude as you guys were cutting down trees on your property. Yep, she, she certainly did. So, Well, uh, to, for all the moms out there, we appreciate uh, you as well. So I hope you guys had a great day and uh, happy Mother's Day to my mother, uh, Virginia, uh, and my wife, uh, who is the mother of my two beautiful sons. Um, and uh, of course, to Mrs. Bellotto as well. We, uh, we thank you for everything that you've done in our lives and uh, for the lives around you that you've touched as well, especially your mom and all the work that she did with all those Thank kids you. growing up and uh, the work that she continues today with other organizations like the purple cat that we talked about tonight too. So, so thank you, Tony. Thank so you for everyone out there. This was our 209th take. I can't believe I've done 209 of these. This is insane. And uh, it's, it was my pleasure to talk to you all tonight. Hope you had a great, enjoyed the time and enjoyed the, enjoyed the great conversation that we had with Tony. You can check us out on our YouTube channel. Kumar. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Check out our, our Facebook page. Hit the like button as well. That's where you can find a calendar of upcoming guests. Uh, we've got some great shows coming up on uh, lineup as we take our trail all the way to the trade show coming up here in a couple of months. I can't believe it's only a couple months away. It'll be really exciting. We've got some great guests lined up for you, including Glenn Case of Christoph Cigars next week. Uh, we'll also be doing, uh, we'll be revisiting our cinema edition of Ellos from our takes. We're going to, it's the 50th. Speaking of 50 years, the oh. Godfather, the Godfather yeah. celebrating its 50th anniversary. So Sam Spencer and Fred Rui will be back. And we'll be talking all things The Godfather in a couple of weeks. So definitely want to uh, mark your calendars for that one as well. So for everyone out there, check out all your likes, shares, and comments. We really appreciate it. And if you are listening to us later, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure you hit the download, subscribe, and review button as well. If you are a subscriber, do me a favor, hit unsubscribe. But please don't forget to hit resubscribe. That really helps my numbers so that I can get great guests like Tony back on the show, as always. And for everyone out there, I'm Barry Duplitzi. He's Tony Bellotto. And guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time. Cheers.